Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 144 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, but this time on a Monday. Ryan, how you doing? Good. I don't know if I like the change-up and schedule. Mondays are hard. Like, you just start in the week, kind of drag in, where Saturday come in just fully caffeinated, just ready to go. I did have a case of the Sunday scaries last night, but... I had the podcast to look forward to, man, so it kind of made things a little bit better. Well, that's good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad you still look at seeing me on a Monday as a podcast. Well, it was less thing. about you and more the topic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is a good topic. Yeah, I've been playing some good yeah. video games that I'm looking forward to discuss. It wasn't so much that I get to talk about them with you. That's fair. Yeah. 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 But uh, but yes, welcome in, everyone. If you are a new listener to the podcast, maybe this is the first time you press play. Welcome in. Ryan and I tend to talk about video games the most, but we also stray into the tv movie music category whatever the heck we want to talk about we bring it up here on otaku brothers and each and every week when we record we talk about our weeks any general life updates we want to bring to the show then we also got to talk about the games that we've been playing recently and then we tend to have some type of main topic and this week i'm particularly excited because ryan and i tease it last week and in the weeks leading up to this but we're gonna be talking about remasters versus remakes and games that we think might be able to benefit from those two things yeah we'll get into the nuance of what we consider a remaster versus a remake and kind of what we like to see when a game is remade versus remastered we're going to break down the entire biology of those types of things later in the show but we also got a very special episode coming in the very near term so ryan and i as i kind of mentioned at the top we're recording on a monday which is a little weird and it's all because I want to get two episodes out the door before I go on vacation in a couple weeks. And so what we're going to do is we're going to record this episode as we're doing right now. I'll edit this bad boy and probably have it up Wednesday of this week. So that'll be the 10th of August, mm-hmm. 2022, if you're listening to this show. And then Ryan and I are going to get behind the mics again this coming Saturday to return to our Destiny Island Challenge segment where we pick a console of our choice, could be home console or handheld. We break down the history of the system, best-selling games, fun facts. If we can pull advertisements from YouTube, we'll do that. And then we also each list and talk through our top five games that we'd want to take with us if we were on a deserted island for the rest of our lives. And this coming week, we are going to tackle the original Game Boy. And if you didn't know, it is the 33rd birthday of the Game Boy. Not today. It was actually a couple days ago. But uh, funny enough, I actually did not plan that. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. I just thought it'd be fun to kickstart because uh, we'd done a couple home console Destiny Island challenge segments. And I thought, let's do a handheld system. Let's start with the Game Boy. That way we can eventually get to, I would consider, the superior Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. down the line. So that's what we're going to do. So if you are listening and it's not... Whatever Saturday of this week would be, that's like August... The 13th. 13th, thank you so much. That's why I have you here. Yep, the math guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's kind of funny that you'd mention that. But uh, yeah, so if you're listening, it's not August 13th. Consider writing into the show at Podcast at gmail.com. If you 
have five original Game Boy games that stick out to you that you'd want to take on a deserted island with you because Ryan and I are going to read them right here in the show. We've already got a couple emails and uh, we've got plenty of listener involvement with today's show. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Remakes and remasters. Let's get right to it, Ryan. I want to hear. How's your week been going, buddy? Been uh, doing all right. Um, I got to play tennis. It's been a long time since my dad and I had played tennis. And last Sunday when I went to pick up the dog, got out there, got the rackets, didn't suck as much as I usually do after taking such a long sabbatical. Mm. Um, but a lot of fun. Yeah, you ended up skipping out because you were ill or something. I just don't think I wanted to go. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren lied pretty good for you then. She's like, oh, he was up until two, partying too hard. He just, you know, I, I may he's have got done the that. cramps. Yeah, I, I may have just, you know, been playing Assassin's Creed into the wee hours of the morning. and I wouldn't be surprised. And I just needed one. to continue that pursuit into Sunday. But, um, but yeah, nice. good for you, man. Are you basically Roger Federer now? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more of a Nadal kind of guy, like mm-hmm. that power. Raphael. You know? Yeah, like Raphael. That. Yeah, good for um, And then besides that, we went to Irish Fest, which was a good time. Um, just a giant festival around us. Um, three days of just Irish bands, everything Irish, green, chucking mm-hmm. barbells and all that. Yeah, noticeably less like Dublin, Ireland, because now I can kind of have a frame of reference. Yeah. Both with the music and the culture and the drinks and the food and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think, you know, the the festival that we do put on, I think it's second in the world, only second to Dublin, Ireland, in terms of like a traditional Irish festival. But they do have a lot of bands that come in and play like uh, Red Hot Chili Pipers and Scary Vor uh, from like a Celtic rock standpoint. But then there's yeah. also like um, dancing and stuff. Yeah, all, all kinds of fun stuff. And bunch of stuff for kids too, like arts and crafts and all those big balloon things that you can jump around in. And Yeah, lots of food trucks and stuff. Food trucks, yeah, it's a good time. It's been years since I've gone just because the pandemic. I think it, they had it last year, but I was still a little weary of going outside and being around tons of people. Yeah, because there's what, how many thousands? Tens of thousands of people were there. Four million at least. Yeah, yeah at least like half the population of our state went there. 80% of the United States goes every year. Yeah, that's the statistic. And most statistics are uh, made up on the spot. Yep, facts. But not this one. This one's totally true. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, besides that, um, just one last thing, like a new fear that I didn't know I had or oh, something no. that I <laughs> didn't like. So going back into the office is new um, three days a week for me. And I work at a Japanese company. And mm-hmm. this is a really common thing in Japan. Um I went to the bathroom and the heat, the toilet seats are heated. And usually if you go into like a public bathroom, if they're heated, they're not heated seats, but they are from the person in front of you. Oh, yeah, that's but like these are purposely heated and it's terrifying. I do not like it at all. Was it like a car thing where you can like adjust? Yeah, like adjust the power, turn it up to three, get like super hot, warm in the buns. But like. Not a fan. This seems like an all. odd feature to have in the heat and peak of summer. Yeah, and there's like two of them. Two of the stalls are heated, and like the handicap one is just a regular normal person toilet. But uh-huh. yeah, not a fan. Very interesting. Now, do you also, now that we're on the subject of toilets at your place of work, do they also have the ones that kind of clean things out? Like a boudet? That, yeah. No, okay. that's not like a work appropriate toilet. That's more of like a luxury toilet. <laughs> But they have those in Japan, right? Or is that Europe? 
that's Europe, I think. Okay. Yeah, Japan, like, they, like, I think it's surprising for, like, Europeans even coming over here. The door stalls, they're so much open at the bottom. Like, in Japan, it's like a full door, like the one that you have going into a room. Dude, I like my privacy. That would be nice if we got, like, our own little... Yeah, or you have that, like inch gap that people could just stare at you through that's weird too yeah yeah because like i'm like dude i'm scrolling twitter relax go wash your hands exactly you don't want like management come in looking at you as you're like scrolling dude i'm playing star wars galaxy of heroes (laughs) yeah i'm looking at remakes and remasters for uh prep for the show yeah on my heated seats (laughs) let me play play angry birds in peace yeah exactly yeah besides that no other new fears or dislikes well that's good i didn't sit on any heated toilets this week but i did watch a Brad Pitt movie. Did you? Yeah, which kind of warms my buns as it is. He always warms my buns. That's right. But uh, World War Z, uh, earlier this week, I wasn't really feeling well. And uh, I'm going to actually blame a person on air for that. His name is Sean. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Sean. So I guess a quick story here. So Wednesday, Lauren was out of town for work this week, my wife. And I went out to catch up with my mom on Wednesday. I got a haircut. Thanks for noticing. And... (laughs) We went out, got some food, had a couple drinks, and then I scooted on home, was home by eight. Okay. Pretty reasonable. Yeah. And I sat down, played some Assassin's Creed. Also usual. Yep. Pretty typical. And then around 9, 930, that's when I was settling down, putting on some tunes, was prepping for the show. Mm-hmm. And then I get a text at quarter after 10 from Sean, and he says, hey, I'm heading to uh, like a local bar that's near me. He's like, uh, feel free to join. It's like Wednesday night. (laughs) Dude, it's quarter after 10. What do you mean you're going to this place? And he said, I said, why don't you just, I said, Lauren's out of town. Why don't you bust over here and uh, we'll have a beer or two. We'll listen to some Foo Fighters records and, you know, kick you out and you go home. And he's like, was that, is that a formal invite? (laughs) And I said, well, that depends. Who are you with? Like how many, you like 15 people with you? I don't want to throw a rager on a Wednesday night, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, there were a couple of folks with him. So he's like, hey, just meet me out. And I said, one beer and I'm out. Uh, and I just, I woke up the next we, day. Yeah, we stumbled home at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get home that late because I think they actually closed down like at 11 o'clock as their last call. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I got home at like 1130, but oh my gosh, I woke just up dragon. The, the next day with just a raging headache. And so I thought, what better way to cure that than a movie marathon? Very nice. Brad Pitt yeah. movies. So I, I rewatched World War Z, really good movie, very intense. Yeah, it based is. Based on the book that I never read, but um, World War Z is very good. And if you're not familiar with it, it's another zombie movie. You know, a, a virus plagues the entire planet, and Brad Pitt's like an ex Marine dude who did yeah. a lot of like research when crazy call in favors all the time. Yeah, crazy stuff was going on around the world. And, you know, there's obviously a spectrum of zombies when it comes to zombie flicks. Like, there's The Walking Dead World, where yeah. when you get bit, you kind of are a literal walker. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other side of the spectrum. Like Train like to Busan. Train to Busan in World War Z where you're bit and five seconds later, you're, like, running marathons like Usain Bolt. Like, <laughs> you're just yeah. going crazy after people. And that's kind of what this movie is like. So it makes for, like, a, yeah. you know, edge of your seat pretty crazy thriller and then kind of in the middle is like two weeks was it 28 days later 28 weeks later i think those are not full sprints but they they're pretty quick still yeah well um 28 days later is really good did i watch that with you for the first time i don't think i I don't think so okay that's a great movie i've never seen 28 weeks later though okay yeah um but yeah i watched that and then 
I was looking for something else to kind of really get invested in. And you would let me borrow the Planet of the Apes movies Mm -hmm. directed by Matt Reeves, Rise, Dawn, and War of the Planet of the Apes. And I just powered through those movies. I had seen Rise. So Rise came out back in 2011. James Franco was in that. Of course, you have Caesar, little chimpanzee, his little buddy. And then I never watched Dawn. You also have Malfoy in that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the, the actor who plays Malfoy. Yes. His name's not. No, he does magic. Comes to mind. Yeah, (laughs) in Planet of the Apes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I'd never seen Dawn or War of the Planet of the Apes. So I watched both of those um, back-to-back phenomenal movies. Yeah. Really, really well done. I'm speaking of Mark Wahlberg, the listeners won't hear it, but when we were testing, you talked about watching Uncharted and uh, he was in a reboot of the Planet of the Apes back in like 20 or 2001. Yeah, it was like because that's when like Space Odyssey and stuff came out around there, right? I mean, I think it's called 2001 A Space Odyssey. I yeah, don't, exactly. I don't know that's that, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know if that movie came out in the year 2001, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that sure. came out. <laughs> I, was he really in a Planet of the Apes? Yeah, no, seriously, he was. Okay. Terrible acting. Yeah, but um, didn't he, they wear like just ape suits in those? It's yeah, it wasn't CGI yeah. back then. But um, but yeah, no. Speaking of, I mean, really realistic. I mean, it's just yeah, really great movies. I won't say anything spoiler wise because I watched them for the first time, so I have to believe there are people listening to this show that have not seen this new trilogy of movies. But if anything, it really got me excited and interested to watch Matt Reeves' Batman because I've not seen that movie yet. Robert Pattinson, of course, playing the Batman. It's just a long movie. I think it's just over three hours or just under three hours. But uh, did you ever get around to watching the Batman? I did not. No, I was going to wait till it gets like where you can rent it. Yeah. And then pick that up. I do want to watch it though. But um, but yeah, that's really been it. So blaming Sean for that. But um, happy birthday, Sean. It was his birthday. Oh, okay. Which I found out shortly after getting well, to, then, the, happy birthday. to the establishment. But um, yeah, been a pretty chill week. Nothing too crazy going on. But I'm excited to get deeper into the podcast, Ryan. So I want to hear what games you've been playing. I mean, it's only been a couple of days since we've recorded, really. Yeah, it has. I actually have a couple watches as well. Oh, and like um, the good people then. Uncharted ended up getting around to that now that now that it's on Netflix. PSA. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, Mark Wahlberg, he, he always plays the same character. And it's it just, I don't know if he was a good choice for Sully. Um, he wasn't, let me finish that sentence for you. He he didn't grow on me. Like I wanted him to, um, even with a mustache, um, Tom Holland's good. He can pull off the younger, uh, Nate. And then there's a few other characters that I think did all right. The antagonist, Mm -hmm. it didn't really do it for me. Um, she was supposed to, or her character was very similar to Nadine, but, I don't know if it was the acting or the writing or something. It just it didn't pull it off like it did in Uncharted 4, um, with Nadine at least. And then Chloe, it's hard to tell if I really liked her character or I really didn't like her character mm-hmm. because it's the younger version. Like Chloe in Uncharted 2. 2 and then Lost Legacy was far more stoic than the one in this Uncharted. Like this one smiled. And I can't remember one time Chloe smiled in any of those two games. Did what? What are you talking about? Did Chloe smile? Have you played? You sure you played Lost Legacy? I did. I don't remember her smiling. There's now. so many special moments. Them playing with little monkeys and her and Nadine are laughing. There's a lot of. I guess that's fair. There's a lot of wholesome little moments in that game. Okay, 
I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Then she's a good character. <laughs> I, I, I changed my opinion. Um, but overall, it was a good time. It's over the top. It's uncharted. You're, they've got plot armor for days. Mm-hmm. Um, falling out of planes. Uh, there's some cool cameos. Um, I, I think it's definitely worth the time watching. Well, and especially it's it's kind of like one of those things on the movie medium side of things where, you know, if you're comparing it to a Game Pass thing, it's like, I wouldn't buy it or go to the theater to see it. But if it's on Game Pass. Exactly. And similar yeah. with this, now that it's on Netflix, it's like, I don't think I'd pay money to go see this in theaters or buy it on Blu-ray. But now that it's on Netflix, I'll check yeah, it out. Look, kind of like the Monster Hunter one. Like if it comes to a streaming service that yeah. I'm currently paying for, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that one's a fun one. And then I think last time I talked about Man in the High Castle, um, that gets far more sci-fi than I was really kind of feeling. Uh, So I ended up switching over to a different Nazi show, which is Hunters on Amazon. Mm, Never heard of this one. And uh, this one is basically, it's far more intense than I was expecting. But it's basically a bunch of pe- like Jewish people who had survived the Holocaust mm-hmm. now forming like a hit squad and then hunting down Nazis that the CIA had brought over post-World War II to fight the Soviets. Interesting. Um, so it, it gets more like graphically than Man in the High Castle did into like some of the concentration camp stuff oh, it's like no. backstory so it's like some of it's really hard to watch but then when they end up killing those nazis in very fun ways you're like cool Hell i'm yeah. it dessert it the build-up's rough but they like pay off and the episode's cool and then they got like a cool overarching plot so i, I got like six episodes out of ten i think there's only one season so far on amazon but. dude perfect opportunity for you to pick up wolfenstein the new order I think I have it still yes, borrowed. Yes, you, you've borrowed my copy. You've got like a year and a half of late fees. Whoa, you still have Shazam, and that's been like since we started the podcast. Dude, if I had a Wii U, it'd probably look like my Wii U. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just yeah, piles you, of dust. So, yeah, those are the uh, two things that I played or watched. Um, I actually played a good amount of games this week, or at least hopped around. Um, so I started with Oblivion, or I was continued playing Oblivion. Um I ended up getting my sneak to level 100. Congrats. And it's far slower than what you do in Skyrim, but a ver- like a cheaper, more AFK method. So I ended up just taping my controller down and sneaking against a wall for like four hours. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know what's worse. Me playing stuff like Foxyland and My Name is Mayo for trophies or you literally taping your controller to get your sneak skill up. I, the mayo game is far worse i don't know man we might have to put a poll on well know. the only reason i know about that method or i've done it is because the star wars game battlefront 2 when it originally came out where it had the progression structure was so bad and you could rubber band your controller to have you walk in a circle to gain xp points mm-hmm. and i got so much hate man for that one like people messaged me yeah like go after yourself but um yeah i got sneaked to level 100 which is the I guess the point, and it's a really powerful skill. Um, basically, if you're sneaking at level 100, any attack that's done while sneaking avoids armor 100%. So you're just hitting crazy damage. Um, so with that, I ended up going to the arena because after you beat the champion, you get to pick um, Menatar, two Menatars. 
and you can basically farm up your armor skill on the easiest difficulty to get really powerful. Mm-hmm. So I ended up running through the champion. Um, there's a lot of battles there. But the champion, I, he didn't even touch me because I was sneaking in the back of the arena just pumping him full of arrows and it took like five because my sneak was awesome. So everyone, tape your controllers, walk away, go, I don't know, watch a movie somewhere else and uh, you'll be OP at Oblivion. You're full of the PSAs today, man. Yeah, you're welcome. That's We're an educational That's right. Podcast. Actually, that's a great yeah. point. This is an educational program. Yeah. Uh, so my goals, I'm kind of taking a break from it. But like my overall goals with my time going back to Oblivion is just going to be complete the Dark Brotherhood. I already killed a guy, so I'm already kind of in. And then uh, probably just rush the game after that. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to grind up, uh, make myself pretty powerful, um, and then just rush the game okay. to complete. <laughs> okay. Besides that, um, last time we were talking about my 10th Platinum. That's right. We were. And... I'm only on eight, so I need to find a ninth. And originally, I was going to do Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. So I played a good bit of that. I started at 75%, ended up getting all the way to 97%. So I could easily platinum that, but I'm still feeling Spider-Man. So in order to still make my 10th platinum Monster Hunter World, I'm taking a break from Miles Morales. Um, I have one trophy left. It's like a hit combo of 100 people. And then I'll pop both trophies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I switched over then to Amazing Spider-Man, which I think I'm 70% through the base game. I think it's just Marvel Spider-Man, but he is amazing. Is it? Is it just Marvel? Okay. Well, he's amazing to me. Yeah. And um, so in Marvel Spider-Man, I'm about 70% through the trophies on the base game. Um, it's mainly just like taskmaster stuff which is a pain in the ass and then i have to fight a taskmaster master i lost him once um so that's it's just so much like going from miles morales back to the original like miles morales it to grind out crimes you could basically call the crimes Mm -hmm. like on your phone and i don't think you can do that in the original um and there's yeah it's just a bigger game that was it's a lot more of a grind the miles morales platinum is definitely more forgiving yeah because like all of the uh currencies basically that you get from doing everything around the map were kind of condensed down to just like energy and one other thing for miles to buy stuff so yeah um yeah i have lots of crimes to do lots of taskmaster and just sable kicks my ass so hard like i i i'm on the middle difficult excuse me i'm on the middle difficulty and i'm just getting reamed and uh i ended up going into a crime being like okay i just beat miles morales in like a couple hours i got this i lost i'm basically close to immediately and i'm like you know what maybe i i like the easiest difficulty maybe i'll just start over yeah (laughs) um but then i went the exact 180 because you were talking about platinums um, and, As I do. Yeah. And then you were talking about the New Game Plus is a challenge one on the hardest difficulty. So yeah, pick so the, that one up. The way the Marvel Spider-Man trophy setup is set up, you have to beat the base game. There are three different DLCs that also have their respective trophy list, about eight to ten trophies apiece. 
And then when New Game Plus was added after launch for Spider-Man, they added two trophies. One is just complete the game on New Game Plus on any difficulty. And then there's another one beating it on Ultimate Difficulty. And that is the hardest difficulty in the game. And it's no joke. Yeah, I ended up trying to do the first level on Ultimate Difficulty. And I got through it. And then I realized it wasn't on New Game Plus. It was Mm -hmm. on just a new save file. And go... New Game Plus, where you have like level 50 characters if you've completed most of the base game, gives you a lot more power. It allows you to heal right off the bat. So it, it's not terrible, but as you get into those harder factions, that was just with like base guys that don't have like weapons, laser, or shields. Sh- laser shields and stuff. Um, so it's going to be a painful experience. Well, and so you doing that kind of encouraged me to check out my trophy list for Spider-Man because I knew that when I first got that for PS4, I played the absolute heck out of that game. Mm -hmm. So I got the Platinum Trophy in base game. I played all three DLCs, but I only 100%ed the trophies in two of the three DLCs. So I went back, 100%ed that third DLC. So I have 72 out of 74 trophies in Marvel's Spider-Man. The only two I'm missing are New Game Plus and beating it on Ultimate Difficulty. Spider-Man is such a comfort food behind the scenes. Listen to a podcast type of game for me at this point. I mean, I literally, when the PS5 came out, I got the, you know, super ultra fancy edition of Miles Morales, which came with a download code for the PS5 version of Marvel Spider-Man. Hopefully the listeners are still with me. And so I replayed the entirety of Marvel Spider-Man again and got the platinum trophy again in base game. I wasn't one of those sick, sad people that pops the the platinum by loading your save get out of here with that nonsense i did do that for ghost of sushi but <laughs> i was like I, i'm pretty sure i did too <laughs> yeah but um with marvel spider-man I, I literally played through the entirety of the game once again on ps5 but i'm with you you kind of inspired me i think i'm gonna behind the scenes over maybe the next six to eight months just try and beeline the story new game plus on ultimate difficulty it's a, it's a far longer game than miles morales it's like a full is it what 30 hours maybe it is probably 20 to 30. I feel like you can shave off some time, though, with all the new new game plus abilities that might not work out the way I want it to, though, when you're playing on that hard of a difficulty, though. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of give and take kind of thing. Yeah, I'll probably try to alongside you knock that out. Um, so maybe over the next few episodes, we'll uh, we'll have some updates on our suffering. <coughs> um, yeah. But besides that, that's everything I've been playing, which is a good chunk. Good stuff. Well, I'm happy that you're deep into the trophy game. I like to feel like I had something to do with that. Yeah, as long as I don't get to your level of addiction with trophies, and I do like one occasionally. I have lightened up a bit. Yeah. 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 Because you have what, like 50 or something? 50 what? Platinums. 78. Okay. Wow. Dude. Don't you- <laughs> I don't check your trophies every day like Blink did. <laughs> <laughs> Does. Or like hourly. <laughs> Does. Let's correct that. Yeah. Yeah. So like correct. when I get Platinums or I decide to go in Platinums, which is rare, like since I only have eight, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big event. It's a big deal. Yeah. No, I'm happy for you. I'm on the sidelines cheering you on, man. Good. Glad you're there. But uh, for me this week, again, nothing too crazy. I did put down the Assassin's Creed stuff in favor of some other games, which is exciting. Yeah, uh, it'll probably last like a week or two before you pick up the new bl- like Black Flag or whatever. I don't know, man. I really think that I, I've put down the Assassin's Creed stuff for good, at least for the next couple of months. Okay. 
Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. I see the no, same you've th- beaten like five of them so far this year. Yeah, well, I say the same thing with you in RuneScape, you know. You never quit playing. I Assassin's haven't Creed. touched it in two days. Good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Happy for you. Um, so what I have played this week with uh, my wife being out of town, I've been coming to bed a little bit earlier, throwing on a show or a movie that's super chill to kind of calm down after a long day of work. And I popped in that Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. Oh, cool. On the 3DS. So I've been playing that a little bit before bed. Only a couple hours in, but my word does the music in that game and kind of the, I wouldn't say mindless combat when you're playing on the easiest difficulty, you know, you're not mashing the X button. It's very much MMO-like where it's auto combat and you occasionally press the A or X button to activate a special attack type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's been fun. Nothing too crazy. I'm not going to play this to completion, but it's, it's a fun game to kind of come down after a long day. When you played the original Xenoblade that you never finished, mm-hmm. or like there was that big spike in difficulty. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Uh, was that on the easiest difficulty, or was that like medium? It was on the easiest difficulty. Dude, there's just something wrong with me. I'm just not good at games. <laughs> it's all right. That's why we have a gaming podcast. Because <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we suck at everything else, including our hobbies. Yeah, I just so. come here to air my dirty laundry. But uh, yeah, that's it's been fun. I want to figure out, I feel like if I booted up, xenoblade chronicles definitive edition on switch and i got back to that boss and i watched like a moment to moment guide i could figure out how to beat it with the party that i have without feeling a need to go back and you know mindlessly grind for the next five to eight hours is it just because it's multi-phase or i just get wrecked right when i go into that boss oh like within minutes my entire team is just depleted of health hmm maybe you're missing something i feel like i have to be yeah like, like a I god have. blade or something. Something. Yeah. Okay. I should have pressed A, I pressed B, you know. <laughs> and nothing happened. I just stood there. When I was talking it. to, you know, whoever the heck. So yeah. um I'd Google that shit. YouTube it. Dude, I don't have internet anymore. <sighs> Basically in the third world. <laughs> no internet? Come on. But um yeah, I really feel like I need to check that box, Xenoblade Chronicles. I want to beat it so badly. And it, it is the final boss or like one of the end chapters. Like it's, it's chapter 13. I think there's like 15 or 16 chapters. Okay, game, so it's though. not the final. So you... Dude, yeah, just go back to that. Drop your DS shit and like actually beat the first game so you can move on. First of all, it's a 3DS. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Well, cool. <laughs> Dude, Xenoblade Chronicles 3D couldn't even run on a regular 3DS. It had to get... It's 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 exclusive. Japan, yeah. It's exclusive to the new Nintendo 3DS. Nintendo just creating powerful systems <laughs> over there. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait till the new Nintendo Switch comes out. Yeah, I hopefully runs like a PS5. Yeah. Just this uh, giant handhold, just giant unit. That'll be great. But I talked about World War Z earlier, the movie with Brad Pitt with the crazy uh, zombies. Mm-hmm. And that kind of inspired me to reinstall Days Gone. Okay. This is a PlayStation exclusive title developed by Ben Studio. So some may be familiar with them. They created Uncharted Golden Abyss on the PlayStation Vita. Okay. Pretty decent game. I think they may also be responsible for the Siphon Filter games on the PlayStation 1 and eventually PSP. I could be wrong with that. Fact check me. Chronos Correction Corner. Anything Ryan and I get wrong on the show, write into Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com but the, the basic setup of days gone if you're unfamiliar with it or haven't heard of it 
similar to World War Z, a virus breaks out across the entire globe, infects the world, turning people into zombies. They're not your traditional walker zombies. They refer that they refer to zombies in the game as freakers. Okay. They travel in hordes and they run super fast. Okay. And these hordes are what, like fifty zombies? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In at the time, I remember when they showcased this at it was either E3 or a PlayStation showcase or whatever it was many years ago. It was such a big kind of back of the box selling point at the time of like, look how much we're rendering on the screen at one time. There's there's so much animation going on here. But I think people have pretty interesting thoughts about Days Gone. It's it's a it's an interesting setup, but the game takes like 50 hours to be. Yeah. No. And I just don't think there's that compelling of a story going on there to push a lot of people to play the game to completion. I haven't checked trophy percentages of like that final trophy that pops when you beat the game. But if I had to guess, it's probably a pretty rare trophy that's been unlocked. Yeah. Just because few people have played this to completion. But I'll frame up the story really quickly. I'm not spoiling too much. This is the opening cinematic of the game, but it does take place in the very beginning before the outbreak. It's not like an after the fact thing. And you're playing as this, as this guy named Deacon you, your buddy, and your wife, Sarah, are kind of running up this apartment building trying to make it to the top because there's this national emergency response organization that you were able to get a hold of. They said, hey, we have a helicopter helicopter at the top of this building. We'll take you to our research facility where you can kind of find refuge type of thing. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to the top, it's kind of like one of those things where all the, the zombies are chasing you at the same time. Your buddy gets knocked down. So Deacon pushes his wife onto the helicopter and says, I'll meet you at the facility. And then you get knocked out. And then it says it flashes forward like a hundred days later Hmm. or something like that, or 500 days later. And so there is a day night cycle with each passing day. When you press start on the pause screen, it says X number of days gone. So like right now I'm like 750 plus days gone. And the, the main story point is you went to this facility with your buddy and it had been completely raided with freakers and overrun. So then you're led to believe my wife also died and became infected. You never got confirmation. You never found her body. So for the rest of the game, you're going from outpost to outpost, setting up shop, doing a bunch of side quests, scavenging for resources, and eventually, hopefully, trying to find your wife. Okay. Where things get a little divisive among people that have played the game, I think is it's meant to kind of mesh together the walking dead and sons of anarchy. So Mm. walking dead, of course, on the zombie side of things, sons of anarchy, because you have a motorcycle, which is a brutal show. It is. Yeah. I've watched a completion. Uh, not sure. Worth it. It went to some pretty dark places, man. That show is not for the faint of heart, but, um, so probably not like a chill after work kind of show. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But the motorcycle thing can become an annoyance because you have a fuel meter on your mm. motorcycle. You don't have an endless fuel capacity. And anytime you run over a rock, it damages your motorcycle. People hate breakable weapons in game. That would be so much more annoying. And it's pretty wild how quickly your fuel depletes. So if you have uh, if you have a, some kind of side quest that's like, I don't know, 
800 meters away from where you're at, you might lose 50% of your fuel tank. Now, granted, there's fuel everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there are markers on your map where there are fuel stations or areas where you can buy fuel on an outpost here or there. But to constantly monitor that for a 60, 50 hour game. Yeah, that'd be really annoying. Can be a lot. Now, again, there are some RPG elements where you can upgrade your bike, extend your fuel capacity, upgrade your bike so that it can take more damage without needing to be repaired as, as consistently as in the beginning of the game. But it's just an annoyance. Yeah, no. So I'm enjoying it, but it's not a game that I feel like after I turn it off, I can't wait to get back to it the next day. Okay. But I still, this is just one of those PlayStation exclusives where there's just something about it that I want to keep playing. It's not a Last of Us compelling type of story, but the gameplay loop there is satisfying enough where I someday do want to play this to completion. What was it rated on Metacritic? Or what, what did it end up getting? Like 60s? Or? I feel like high 60s, low 70s probably. Okay. And so there were rumors that... Average. Yeah, there were rumors that Ben Studio was going to make a sequel to Days Gone, but I think there were con- there was confirmation not too long ago, I think earlier this year, that they scrapped the idea. Okay. Because I just don't think it did as well for the studio as maybe PlayStation wanted it to sell. Yeah, that's kind of like Valhalla. Like put a hundred hours to finish the main quest i if you pair zombie games in general are just stressful but it maybe pair it down to 30 and that's still on the high end of what people would want to take for that game 60 being far too long no it's a great comparison and i felt the same way but i mean i played 100 hours of ahala yeah when i swore off i've never even touched the assassin's creed series again so <laughs> I don't think Days Gone is going to have that same effect where towards the end of this year, I'm going to get back into the Walking Dead TV show and then I'm going to just blaze through Days Gone. Mm -hmm. But I do want to play it to completion someday. Okay. But I kind of put it on the back burner, Ryan. Good. For which game? In favor of Ease 8, the Lacrimosa of Donna. Probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but this is the eighth game in the mainline series of Ease games dating back to the Turbo Graphics. If you're looking for a little history lesson on the E series, look no further than Mr. Johnny Millennium, Happy Gonsol Gamer on YouTube. He's the reason that I and I'm sure so many other people even know that this series of games exists. He's probably one of the biggest, he's probably the super fan of the E series. And like I said, it's because of him that so many people continue to support the series and probably why they've made, I think, nine mainline games in the E series is because of all the videos that he's made on them uh, on his YouTube channel over the years. But this one is no exception to the the rest of them in terms of you playing as this little red-haired guy named Adol. And in this one, you're kind of sailing the seas. Okay. And it's not really clear like where you're going or what you're going to do. You're kind of just uh, along for the ride type of thing. You're talking to this captain. He's kind of having you patrolling the deck to make sure that there's no suspicious activity going on. And then eventually... This giant mammoth of a kraken thing brings down the ship. Moments later, or the day later, or day later, you wake up, crash land on an island. I promise I didn't play this game specifically because I'm coming off the heels <laughs> of watching Lost. But uh, you do crash land on this island. You wake up. You eventually meet back up with the captain of the ship, and kind of introduces the gameplay loop that I'll get into here shortly. But why I feel like I can put the Assassin's Creed down. 
Assassin's Creed series down happily is one, I feel like as we kind of turn the corner between summer and fall and even winter for that matter, I think it's always nice to have a little JRPG, a comfy JRPG going in the background, even if you're playing other games intermittently. Yeah, it's your, your side piece, your side game. Exactly. And then you got your main. Exactly. And I think the Ease games, unlike many others, I, I really consider it like Dragon Quest in the sense mm-hmm. of how it's just refreshingly accessible yeah. to really anyone that wants to play the Ease series or the Dragon Quest series for that matter. Most of them you can kind of pick up and play. You don't have to worry about previous games in the series, stories carrying over, stuff like that. You can always expect a fun, even if a little bit cliche story. This game in particular is very light on the tutorials. Within an hour, you're already in, you're going, you're mashing up monsters and having a jolly good time. Speaking of mashing up monsters, super simple combat system. You basically mash the X button in third person. Combat never stops when you encounter monsters. It's not like Pokemon or even the Tales of series on the action RPG side of things. You see these monsters in the open plane, you run up to them. You mash the X button, you have your little combos that you kind of accumulate over the course of the adventure. In no JRPG series, and I'm probably going to go out on a limb here and say something a little hyperbolic, but I just don't know if there's a series that does music so well as the E series. I mean, it's right up there with the Final Fantasies of the world, but also like how drastically different the music is. You can be walking through a town or in this case, your little base camp on the island, and there's, you know, whimsical, slow, melodic little tune is playing in the background, and then you go into the open plains, and it's like you're walking into a live arena with Metallica, and Kirk Hammett's just shredding guitar as you just tear through all these monsters on the open plain. Yeah, you showed me the uh, battle music, or at least the plains music, uh, before we started recording, and I could definitely grind out some monsters to that one super kick-ass music and it's i guess it's very much like the xenoblade series in that sense where you know one moment you're in colony nine the next moment there's just this sick-ass you know metal you know hair metal guitar playing in the background as you're kind of ripping through the enemies but then also i just feel like the game consistently rewards you as you kind of explore these open to a certain degree but never daunting where it feel like you need to explore every nook and cranny of the map okay that's good and the neat neat thing about Ease 8, so you're on this island, you've crash-landed, all you've come in contact to this point are two, two to three NPCs and the captain. And so the captain kind of encourages you to go out among the island, be wary of all the monsters that are there, take note of them in this little like monster encyclopedia book, mm. obviously kill them, yeah. but more than anything, bring back any of the passengers that were on the boat that may have washed up onto shore. Very much like Lost. Very much like Lost in that (laughs) sense. But as you do this, the different NPCs that you bring back to camp might be a blacksmith or um, someone that can kind of mix and match and and make potions for you or just general townsfolk that will give you random jobs and side quests to go venturing out into the island, either collecting materials or just slaying a particular monster. That's cool. Can you level up? I'm trying to think. Is that... Like Nino Kuni Town type stuff. It really reminds me of Nino Kuni Two Revenant Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I've only I'm only two hours in, so I don't know if it gets to the point where you accumulate resources over time and you can upgrade 
like if your blacksmith is a level one, eventually you can do like a level three type of thing. Yeah, or get new abilities or something. Yeah, I don't know how all that works, but all I all I know about the general gameplay loop now is that you have this base camp. You have a very generic looking blacksmith place, a very generic looking apothecary place where you can, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Craft potions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, but I have to imagine that eventually this is like a full fledged village that you have all kinds of different people that can do various different things for you. Yeah. It's definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. I'm currently working on a JRPG, so I don't want to cheat on that one, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying Ease 8. Again, only two hours in, but I feel like this is one of the most accessible RPG series out there, right up there with Dragon Quest. If you don't have a whole lot of experience playing JRPGs, my kind of go-to suggestion for folks is like a Final Fantasy IX Nowadays, I think even something like Dragon Quest XI, because you can get it on just about every platform. Yeah, Ease Eight being another great example of that. Again, it's just it's just refreshingly accessible. That's the best way I can describe it. And you just have such a kick-ass soundtrack. Yeah, and I mean JRPGs are very not. I won't say light because they get into some dark stuff sometimes. But the color palette is so bright, mm. especially in Dragon Quest XI. I mean, that one, you're basically glowing from all the neon colors. But, yeah. Nice. Ease so, eight. when did this one come out? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Is it relatively recent if there's only nine of them? Yeah, I mean, Ease 8 was available on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and then you can get it on Switch now, too, I believe. So, probably like 2015, 16-ish time frame. Okay. And then the ninth game. And so, then, relatively modern. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so... When you go from one area to the next, like a second and a half loading times, some of that might be because I'm playing on the PlayStation 5. I'm not sure if it's run running or rendering these environments a little faster than it normally would on the PS4. Um, but I also think that a PS5 patch is coming next as soon as next month, I believe. Oh, wow. But it already runs so well that I don't need the FPS boost or the 4K visuals or whatever's coming from that PS5 patch to enjoy the gaming. Just as it stands, it's so great. And for those, you know, people that love playing their games on the go, this would be a great game to play portably on Switch, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, the downside to that being no trophies, but yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's just, you know, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> I really... Nintendo can't do it now because they've gone too far without it, but them having trophies would be great. Yeah, or at least like achievements or things to shoot for in the games. We talked about that on our episode with our good pal Devil May Pie. I think Devil May Platinum was the episode name. Go check it out. We did a whole blowout trophy discussion, and one of the key takeaways from that discussion was how neat would it be if Nintendo implemented some type of trophy system for their next mainline console whether that's the Switch Pro, whether that's the new Switch 3DS, whatever that, <laughs> whatever stupid naming convention that Nintendo comes up with that builds on the existing Switch hardware, which we know that's where they're going to go, I hope they have some type of achievements or trophy system that all your friends can look at and please, for the love of all that is good in this world, have a Switch eShop little jingle that plays so as we browse that store 
were encouraged to stay on there longer and buy more stuff, Nintendo. Come on, let us give us give you more money. That's right. Speaking Gosh. of stupid naming conventions, since we're on the topic, what do you think the logic was for going from Xbox One to not two, but then going to Series S and X? I think the Series S and X naming conventions is more like, you know, your Galaxy S, Galaxy, like your mobile device naming convention. Mm, The Xbox One dates back to when they originally revealed the console and it was meant to be this one-stop shop entertainment console where you can place kind of thing. You can watch sports. You can play Call of Duty. You can play dogs. You can do Call of Duty. You can watch (laughs) sports. You can play video games. I mean... It's Maybe been, Call of Duty. <laughs> it's been mean to all hell, but but that's where that name convention okay. came from. I mean, where the fuck did they get Xbox 360? I mean... I feel like they just pull stuff out of their ass. Yeah, I mean, none of it ever made sense. But I also feel like... I don't know. I, I actually personally love the Xbox 360 name. I do too. But I also don't know where you go from there mm-hmm. with your next console. Well, 360, I mean, it's similar to one. Like one place, 360 is everything's covered, like a full circle mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, then I think the next logical place to go after Xbox One is like an Xbox Infinity, but... Or Xbox Two and just follow the... Call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I feel like with the Series X and Series S, where they go from there will be even more interesting because then you get into like, is it going to be Series X2 or just like a Series Z? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be like platforms, but like you still have to do Xbox and like the next evolution of it. Like it's always going to be Series X or Series S, but Xbox 2. Everyone has their weird naming conventions. PlayStation with more recently with their PlayStation Plus subscription tiers. You've got PlayStation <laughs> Plus Essential and yeah. Extra and then Premium. It it makes no the sense. Wii. That was a good one. Nintendo Just Wii. Just a random. Should have been Nintendo Revolution. But maybe in the future, Ryan, we'll do a blowout episode of all the weird naming conventions, video game related. But I kind of, for today's episode, want to stick to the whole remasters and remakes discussion. What do you say? Yeah, I think we're good to get to it. All right, let's get into it. It might be a little controversial. I had some fun picks. I had a lot of fun putting this together last night. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you have. But maybe even more so, I'm looking forward to seeing what all the listeners brought to the table as it relates to the remasters and remakes discussion. Let's get into it. Okay, Ryan, well, before we get too deep in this main topic, 
remasters versus remakes discussion. I have a, I do have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? So outside of the video game medium, is there anything that you think is deserving of hitting that reset button? Maybe making a little bit of a remake? I mean, just for like a frame of reference as an example for you to kind of get the juices flowing in your brain, like The Last Jedi being an example. Really, the whole sequel trilogy just needs to be redone. Mm. Um, I don't think Disney has made enough remakes of old classic things. That's so, true. Yeah, they, yeah they, I think they should just start redoing all of their first round of remakes. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's I like that. That's a good, uh, good choice. Okay, well, let's get right into the video game remasters and remakes. As I kind of said at multiple points in this particular episode, it can be a little controversial. What's a remaster? What's a remake? What do we actually need in the video game space to have a remaster remake? Because... You kind of talked about it with Disney. I know you were joking, but you were very serious that (laughs) whether it's Disney or it's Hollywood in general, nowadays, most movies are either MCU related or they're just remakes of old classics. Yeah, they're not really coming up with any new ideas. And it's kind of been like that for like five plus years at this point. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, people get nostalgic. For yeah. things and they want copyrights coming up. That too, but yeah. they want to see you know Tom Cruise flying his F F sixteen. Yeah, in the sky again. So people get nostalgic for things, and in a similar way with video games. With nowadays budgets are tight, people you know aren't taking as many risks as they may as they were in the PS two, GameCube, Xbox era. So if you know an idea comes across the CEOs of the world for Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, very rarely are people going to, you know, greenlight something like Horizon Zero Dawn or, you know, Ghost of Tsushima, things like that. But occasionally, ideas like like that really take off and it's a great thing. So, um, but with all that in mind, remakes, remasters, they sell because people get nostalgic. And oftentimes, you know, it's it's an opportunity to bring an old game to a new audience And it's an opportunity for people like you and me who have been around for like 400 years to Mm -hmm. revisit a childhood favorite. Yeah. So that's kind of the frame of reference for this topic. We thought it'd be fun. And what really kind of caused us to do this is the whole Last of Us Part 1 remake. Yep. Which, speaking of divisive, is getting a lot of hate because I didn't pull up the article. I I haven't played it yet myself, so I can't speak with absolute certainty. But it sounds like... They didn't do a whole lot in the way of revamping the actual gameplay and fighting mechanics to be more in line with Last of Us Part 2. They kind of just polished up the graphics, which is kind of what they did with the Last of Us remaster from PS3 to PS4. So with all that being said, I'm going to be very transparent as we kind of kick things off here. I didn't go too into the science of remaster and remake, what's one versus another, but I do have some general things that I like to see in both And so when I talk through my five remasters, my five remakes, I kind of bear those things in mind. Okay. Okay. So before we get into all that, though, I'm prefacing my prefaces here. I have a lot of things that I want to talk about before we get too deep in here. So I did make some rules for myself for both remasters and remakes because I didn't want to come into the conversation. You and I have... I would say relatively similar tastes, especially this past two generations or so. Mm-hmm. We like a lot of the same stuff. And I didn't want to come in here and you and I say, well, my first game's this. And you, well, that's my first game. Well, this is my second. Oh, that's my second game too. 
So I wanted to be a little bit unique. So I kind of reached for the stars a little bit. Okay. So with that being said, here are the three rules for myself. I didn't mention anything or include anything in my list that's already been announced. So an example being Knights of the Old Republic. Okay. That's been announced already. It's also unfortunately been delayed, but I didn't include that on my list because we already know it exists. I also, even if a certain developer has already said, you know, we're not making game series X, Y, or Z, we're not going to touch that series for a while. We have no plans to. That didn't stop me from including something on my list. An example being, it's not on my list, but Sucker Punch recently came forward and said, hey, we have no plans to revitalize the infamous or Sly Cooper series. I cried for a couple of days. I have gotten (laughs) over it, but I'm hoping my boy Sly, Bentley, and Murray come back to a PlayStation near us very soon. But my my last rule for myself with this was I try not to mention the obvious ones you and I have already probably talked about 100 times in this podcast. Okay. So those are my rules. We'll get into it here shortly. I do have an article pulled up. I think this would be fun for us to go through. I also think it'd be fun for the listeners that are tuning in to consider. This is from Game Informer, written by our boy Joe Juba. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of the Game Informer magazines dating back to the first two issues that I ever got, Ryan, from Russia with Love back in <laughs> 2005 and The Warriors. Okay. Published by Rockstar. Great game, by the way. Fun beat em up. But anyways, this article says the right and wrong ways to make a remaster. So I kind of want to just run down this real quick, kind of rattle off these things. You can kind of yay or nay. Are these the types of things that you want to see in your remasters? Not getting to the remakes yet. Okay. And this is kind of, this was written back in 2016. This is where, you know, right and left remasters were coming out all the time. They still are, but even more so back in that PS4 generation mm-hmm. when they were yeah. kind of like, you know, boosting up the PS3 ps2 era type stuff so the first one and he kind of separates these between do's and don'ts the first he says create new content so creating brand new content is the single most effective way to make remasters more attractive many players interested in remasters are returning fans giving them a reason to buy a game again beyond basic nostalgia and joe's opinion is critical the whole game doesn't need to be redesigned but adding new modes cutscenes, playable characters control methods can make an old game feel new again. And some examples for him were GTA V, because did that game come out originally on the Magnavox Odyssey? I think it... Yeah, it's been out there for decades at okay. this point. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. But yeah, they continue to upgrade that, so that's great. Can't wait to play that on PlayStation 7 someday. Devil May Cry 4 Special Edition being another example, and then Odd World, New and Tasty. See, for me, I lump in new content more so for a remake, not mm. a remaster. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Because remastered, I think of like Demon Souls, where it's just purely aesthetic, or yeah. like Shadow of the Colossus. But yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, don't just make it prettier, which you're kind of just talking about now. So okay. well, I disagree. Yeah. yeah. So Demon Souls is a remake. Yeah. They kind of just made it prettier. They maintain kind of the the core essence of the difficulty, the controls, and everything in between. They didn't really add a lot of the quality of life stuff that may have come subsequent to that like dark and dark souls bloodborne stuff like that so no i don't you, think they've they touched any of that so are you, so he says don't make it just prettier i'm actually kind of just i'm kind of okay if i'm completely fine if it's yeah i mean if the base game's solid and you're just making it prettier for this generation then i'm completely fine with that and that's a, like shadow of the colossus was a great game in its original state it's mm-hmm. just making that prettier i'm fine with that 
And there's somewhat of an asterisk to that for me. Like, come on, Square Enix. Can we not touch up the platforming in Deep Jungle in Kingdom Hearts 1, please? No, that was a solid mechanic. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's why I rage quit my last playthrough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He says, do include DLC, which I think is a pretty big thing for me in remasters. Yeah, I'm fine with DLC. And they did that in The Last of Us Remaster. They also did that in Dishonored Definitive Edition. But to have the, I think it was called Left Behind DLC in Last of Us Remaster was great for me personally because I never played The Last of Us on PS3. So getting that copy on PS4 was great. I didn't have to go to the PSN store and buy both the base game and the DLC. I had both packaged together. So I definitely think including DLC is pretty important. And that's not new DLC. That's DLC that had come out and just kind of package it all into one. I think so. But I also am not, I'm not opposed to if a remaster comes out that they also create DLC as part of that remaster. It'd be kind of nice. Okay. I don't know. I, when you create new DLC that falls into the, uh, the remake not the remaster for me okay okay just any new content yeah joe also says under the don't category don't make it worse seems super obvious but a handful of remasters have exhibited significant performance and graphical differences that make them worse than the original release muddy visuals choppy frame rates pervasive glitches are inexcusable if a quote-unquote remaster is inferior to the older versions you betrayed the trust of your audience and will have a hard time earning it back I think the most recent example that we can point to for this was the GTA trilogy, Mm, which I personally didn't have much of a problem. I also played the game several months after launch, and I think they probably polished things up a little bit more. And and in my childhood brain, the game looked the same as it did back then, Mm -hmm. which back then it looked amazing in my, you know, 10 years. I I think the Switch, because it released on the Switch, had quite a few issues, but Mm -hmm. they might have ironed them out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would completely agree with this one. Yeah. Uh, Not making it worse. Do address fan complaints. No game's perfect, and a re-release provides a golden opportunity for developers to fix some flaws. We've all played games that we love, but we have that one thing we wish had been implemented differently. Looking at you, platforming, and deep jungle. (laughs) If the community unanimously takes issue with a particular sequence or mechanic, tweak it for the remaster. Even if it's just a small touch, fans will relish the chance to play the fixed version and new players will experience the game with its best foot forward. I think this is a pretty big deal. I don't necessarily... It, it depends on what you're remaking. Like, for speed running and stuff... Remastering. You, yeah, we're probably re- going to do this, interchange the words a million times in this yeah. podcast. So we're talking about for remakes or just for remasters. This whole article is about remasters. Okay, so for remasters, no, I disagree. Like, for Demon Souls... There's like out of bounds type stuff that you can get through the game that were from the originals, and like you screw you screw up the pathing and stuff for speed run runners a ton. Mm. Um, I mean that's a niche community, uh, but it also has a big following. So I don't know. It really depends on what it is. Yeah, I mean, if there's something that's game breaking that like wipes saves and stuff. Yeah, totally take it out. Yeah, but if it's like weird glitches that have, I don't know found a place in the original fan base's heart, then leave it in. I think there's always going to be an exception to the rule, right? I don't think you can fit all remasters under <clears throat> the umbrella of these do's and don'ts, but um, yeah, I agree. Uh, do include multiplayer, like a multiplayer component. It, After it really the Xbox depends. 360 era, I really kind of got out of the multiplayer scene. So mm-hmm. if it works for other people, great, but it's not going to do a whole lot for me. What about you? 
Yeah. Um, it really depends on the game um, and if there'd be a decent amount of people playing it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if the original game had multiplayer, then, yeah, I think you should include it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, this last one, I think, will play into maybe some of my remasters. It's another do, and it's give underdogs a chance. Remastering blockbusters blockbusters can be lucrative since they have massive built-in fan bases. However, those aren't the only titles that deserve overhauls. Plenty of fantastic niche games have been overshadowed over the years, and remastering them allows these gems to reach new audiences. Publishers should be reaching deeper into their archives for remastered candidates. Playing games you know you love is fun, but so is discovering something off the beaten path. And two games that Joe has as examples here are Odin Sphere, which I believe is a Vanillaware game. And I think the our good friends over at Tarkaron may have gifted me that game on PS4. I'm hoping to get to that at some point. Kind of a side-scrolling action RPG, not unlike Demon's Crown. And then he also says Valkyria Chronicles Remastered. So two games that I think if you looked up hidden gen hidden gems on their respective consoles, they they'd show up. Mm-hmm. But you know, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to get those games on a previous generation console. Yeah. Remastering them for current gen, I think is a good thing. Yeah. No, I, this one's a hard one because the companies that invest in these projects, they want to be able to sell them. Mm-hmm. So if the titles like those two, I've never heard of, and they probably wouldn't catch my eye to go out and buy a remake of it. Yeah. It's, you're kind of on a knife's edge, but yeah, giving really any game the opportunity to be remade is good. Yeah. Well, and I think oftentimes to remasters, remakes, if you can tie it together with some other medium, like Last of Us being a great example with the TV show that's coming out on HBO, mm-hmm. I don't think there, if that TV show wasn't coming out, I don't think that remake would be a priority for Naughty Dog right now. Yeah, no, I agree. So, sure. um, all right, good stuff. Well, I just wanted to breeze through that real quick because I think it's it's interesting to have kind of a frame of reference of the things that we tend to like to see or not like to see in our remasters. Yeah. But why don't you go ahead and kick things off, Ryan, and let's get into the remasters. Do you do you have any honorable mentions, I guess, before we get into the remasters? I have a few. Um, nothing too crazy. I think Bloodborne's the one that we want. Either just up-res to uh, PS5. Yeah. Uh, more so than like a huge uh, remaster. Um, just the frame rate and everything. Dark Souls 1, for me, the the remastered version really didn't change anything, Mm. putting it side by side to Demon Souls. So that, Oregon Trail. What? (laughs) 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 I was going down the list of like the top 100 games and like, I forgot how great Oregon Trail was, but that game remastered would be awesome. I think there's got to be a if not current generation Oregon Trail, I know there was an Oregon Trail game on the 3DS. Okay. But I'm pretty sure I always played on the PC. It's like skyrocketed in price. Really? But you you can get Oregon Trail on like GOG or Steam probably for pennies. Mm-hmm. But imagine like a PS5, like amazing Oregon Trail. I think you might as well just play Red Dead 2, but you know. That's true. Did you ever get to Oregon on that trail? <laughs> <laughs> I always died. No. <laughs> okay. Never did. Um. I think Diablo 3 up to look like the quality of what Diablo 4, what we've seen so far, would be great. Um, I think they already remastered Diablo 3. It's like the Ultimate Collection or whatever. Did they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, never mind. Mm. And then lastly would be Dead Space. We got the remake. Is there? 
dude, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> I, I didn't. I never knew there was a remake of it. Yeah, yes, you did. Did I? No. They're remaking Dead Space. It's coming out in January. I've lived under a rock for the last, like, year. Which I- is why it was so bizarre that the original Dead Space team was making the Callisto Protocol because they don't look I thought like it was he- just, yeah, I just thought it was Callisto was coming out and not, well, shit, then all right. All right. I'm I'm happy then with my uh, honorable mentions. Man. Half of them are <laughs> Just check, check, check. All the, They're all coming. They're all coming. Uh, yeah, I'll rattle through my honorable mentions, Bloodborne being one of them. Yep. Uh, the other one that we've talked about umpteen times over on this podcast, Banjo-Kazooie, Phil Spencer, my word. It's got to be in development, people, right? They've got to be doing banjo Redoey. They have to be. Please, for the love, put it on Game Pass. So, yeah. uh, And then Oblivion is another one that I'd like to see. I don't think we need this. I know Bethesda's never going to prioritize an Oblivion remake anytime soon because... It's going to be 12 years before we get the sixth Elder Scrolls game, but giving it to a team like Obsidian, I know they're making like 14 games right now, or some other studio that can just polish Oblivion up to look like it was made for current generation consoles. To some degree, it would be really nice, Uh, but I don't know. I don't see it happening. Yeah, Oblivion would be a really fun one. I think I enjoyed my time more so with Oblivion, um, uh, playing through that. Really, you, there's been like six remasters, remakes of Skyrim, but it still doesn't look like current gen. Yeah, it's the GTA Five of uh, Bethesda. Yeah. But any more? No, that's it. Quick little list. Nice. So hit me with your best shot, Ryan. My Pat best Benetton. shot is going back, seeing that you've played a few of these games over the last year, um, Assassin's Creed 1. Okay. And there's... What kind of made like pushed me over the edge on including this on my list is there's actually a really good mod for this. It's a digital dream. It's called Beyond All Limits Project, and the sh- like they did a side by side of like the original game versus the light uh, rendering and everything. It you is- are like all over the place. <laughs> right now. I'm not as caffeinated as yesterday, but yeah, I'm- yeah, but. Assassin's Creed would be great, just mm-hmm. up-rezzed. Yeah. I really like the combat of like the original couple games before they went all open world, everything. Okay. Um, and it was just so simplistic back then. Yeah. Um, so Great choice. I like it. I mean, I am a pretty, I'm like, I'm an Assassin's Creed super fan at this point. So. All right. Good stuff. What is your uh, number three or number five? My number one, actually, is uh, Middle <laughs> Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and Shadow of War. Mm. I'd love them. I'd love for this to get the Neo Collection treatment for PS5. Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor kind of came out teetering on the PS3, Xbox 360, PS4, Xbox One generation. So it doesn't really need... I think that's more deserving of the PS5 patch. I think Shadow of War already looks really, really great. But to have a duo package boosted up for Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, include all of the DLC. Each game, I think, had three DLCs. I've played through all of them already, but I think they just could could just really benefit from that PS5 patch. This This is not really a remaster of any sorts. I just... This is kind of my anomaly in my list of remasters. I'd love for this just to get that PS5 boost. And I, I haven't read anywhere that it's planned, but 
I just feel like it makes sense. And uh, I hope Monolith goes back to the Middle Earth series. I, uh, did I, it wrap up in a way that it would end the series? It technically did, but I still feel like there's more story there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So even no, if it's a prequel, a good one. even if it's a prequel. Yeah, maybe they'll actually play it all the way through if a remaster comes out. I feel like there's so few people in my inner circle that listen to this podcast and beyond that I know that have played those games to completion. Like, I know critically it did really well, it reviewed well, they got a sequel, but I don't really know anyone that's played these games, which kills me because they're just so good especially if you're a fan of lord of the rings obviously they take liberties with some of the fiction but it's done so well in my opinion and yes it borrows mechanics from the batman arkham games as it relates to combat and world traversal is very similar to the earlier assassin's creed games but even to this day we've never seen a game borrow mirror or copy the nemesis system yeah which was oh my gosh so freaking cool like there's just so much possibility there with other franchises or other ips and it's beyond me that another company developer hasn't picked up and run with that and in shadow of mordor there was definitely room for improvement and they just completely knocked it out of the park with shadow of war i've talked about it umpteen times i believe as part of our top 10 games of the decade Mm -hmm. shadow of war was on there for me And growing up, I always imagined that you'd be able to have like two warring legion countries, whatever it is, finding each other on a battlefield and just clashing. And there are these, I forget what the actual battles are called in Shadow of War, but... Sieges, maybe? I think it was, yeah, maybe sieges. And like you either defend the oncoming orcs or you actually storm a kingdom of orcs and eventually kind of fighting whoever has the uh, the throne there, defeating them, and taking over the entirety of Mordor. It's so cool. And, uh, man, I just want to geek out with another Lord of the Rings person that's played these games. But uh, if you're out there, slip into my DMs, okay? I think it might be the difficulty. Like, it, it's a pretty big learning curve to hop into those games. Um, that's kind of what drove me away the first time because I just got ganged up on and it just kind of demoralized me. Um Second time, I put maybe five to ten. I like I made a good way through. Um, I just never prevailed and mm. uh, lost the ring. They're so good. Yeah, I'll get off my soapbox. But Middle Earth, Shadow of More, and uh, War- Mordor and War, kind of a tongue twister there. If we could just get a little PS5 boost, I'd rebuy the games if they got came with a nice little PS5 copy. But uh, yeah, that's my first one. That's a good one. Yeah. What about you? What's your second? Uh, my next one is a game that I've always kind of been intrigued with, <coughs> but never got around to playing. And I know uh, in the docket, there's a game coming in the next like 10 years, but Fable 2. Oh, yeah. Um, from reading on the internet, Fable 3 doesn't seem to be as loved as the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, two seemed, according to the Reddit comments, two seemed better than one, but one far better than three. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really like the idea of, I mean, just the gameplay looks like a ton of fun. The morality system is awesome. Um, that's another mechanic that you don't see really that often anymore. Yeah, I mean, it was really big in the Xbox 360 era with like your Dragon Ages and uh, your um, 
Mass Effects and things like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, they've they've gotten a little way away from that. Yeah, sure. I think the only game that I played with that would be like the Infamous, mm, where you can yeah. go like Red Lightning. Or yeah, that's Blue another Lightning. one of that era. That yeah, played into that. But yeah, um, yeah, no, just another RPG. Um, I know you really like these games. I love the Fable games. I never played the first game, though I'd like to play Fable Anniversary because that was already remastered from the original Xbox up to current gen. I'm sure it has a nice little FPS boost on the Xbox Series X, but I love the Fable games. I know a lot of people are pretty critical of the graphical style and kind of the crude humor. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but I really loved those games, two and three um, they also kind of came at a special time for me. I was going through some rough stuff in high school and to be able to retreat to the world of Albion and play multiplayer with friends and two, especially you have this little doggo companion that mm-hmm. helps find little hidden treasures around the world. And I actually streamed uh, a great deal of fable two back in 2020 when I was streaming consistently and uh, graphically could definitely use a little touch up. Yeah. Not looking so hot, but man, that gameplay still is pretty it dang still fun. Holds up. Pretty dang fun. So good stuff. Great pick. Love it. My second one is Dragon Quest VIII Journey of the Cursed King. Mm. I would love for this game to get the Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition treatments. It already got a remaster of sorts for the 3DS, ported, whatever you want to call it. They, they compressed the orchestral score from the PS2 game, though. So the music isn't as great. And I just want an easy way to play a really pretty polished Dragon Quest VIII. I know so many people look at this and say it's the best game in the Dragon Quest series. A lot of folks even say it's arguably their favorite JRPG of all time. I've talked umpteen times over earlier in the show. I talked about how the Dragon Quest series is like one of the most accessible JRPGs out there. It's just comfy, cozy good turn-based combat times and i'm sure i would happily play the 3ds version i have a copy i haven't started it yet but man to be able to play dragon quest 8 and graphically look like dragon quest 11 would just be awesome that would be cool they were doing a dragon quest remake right in the octopath which one is that that's the third game okay so which i cannot wait for that's gonna be awesome yeah yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I really enjoyed my time with Dragon Quest Eleven, so mm-hmm. I'm sure along the same veins that that'd be a good pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I haven't played Dragon Quest Eight. A lot of people say, "Hey, don't touch a masterpiece. It's good as it stands today." But you could say the same and make the same argument for Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, and they really had some wonderful quality of life treatments from the Wii version to the Switch game, and. If I had to venture to guess, Dragon Quest VIII could probably benefit from some of those as well. But, you know, the Otaku Brothers Gmail account is open <laughs> if you want to come at me with some hate mail. All right. But that's my second pick. All right. Um, and then my third one, um, it's actually, you're going to get mad at me for this, a game that I haven't played. Golden GoldenEye 007. Okay. Okay. Um you probably don't want to touch the masterpiece. That's why I'm not doing like a full rework of it. Just up all of those missions. Still same gameplay, same sounds of everything. Um, but yeah, I think this would be a lot of fun. I know you played the multiplayer with a group of people online. Yeah, GoldenEye Source Engine. Yep. Um, but having that up and still the fun gameplay would be a ton of fun. I agree. I think all the Play-Doh models 
do or are deserving of a little refresh remaster. There were rumors that this was going to be announced at the Xbox Game Showcase. We didn't see it. I would like a remaster of GoldenEye under one condition. Don't touch my boy Boris. Upres everything else. <laughs> Boris, he's perfect as he is, okay? Leave him alone. And uh, man, I can't wait to squad up with the Otaki Brothers folks. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun. And I do think there's probably some kind of licensing issue, though. I know when it was kind of already remastered for the Wii that they couldn't use Pierce Brosnan's likeness. So they had to use mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's face, which was a little <laughs> weird. Uh, I don't know what that licensing looks like today, but even if you have to use, I don't know, like Mark Wahlberg's face, just throw oh, him on gosh. there. We need more of him everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just throw Mark Wahlberg's face on. Did they on. just have like a limited run on how long they could use his like likeness? Probably. Or- I mean, dude, contracts and stuff, you know? Yeah. But he'd still get royalties. You'd think he'd be all for it. Dude, Pierce is doing well. You know, he's just yeah, sitting to he's hurting. Sipping yeah. the mojitos. Yeah. Yeah. With his golden gun. Uh, great pick. I like it. Make for some fun multiplayer action. But And that's one, I mean, from that list that you read off of that you definitely want to include multiplayer on. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean. It, it would sing- have to come with multiplayer for it to be successful. For I sure. Think. Yeah, the single player is good times, but yeah, that would not sell as well without multiplayer. Yeah. People would be up in arms. Uh, my third pick, I'm sure some friends out there listening to the show right now would tend to agree. Good Lord, give me Final Fantasy 13 Remastered Trilogy for current generation consoles. Yeah, that's a good one. Square Enix, come on, get it together. I mean, we've gotten, how many times have we gotten Final Fantasy X Remastered? We got it on PS3, we got it on Vita, we got it on PS4. Right on Switch. I'm sure we're going to get some kind of PS5 patch for Final Fantasy X here soon as well. But uh, 13, it's it's kind of wild to me that 13 is still exclusive to the 360 and the PS3. Would you want that? Would you still want the same combat system? Oh, gosh. Do not touch the paradigm system. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a masterpiece as it is. But um, here's the caveat I was going to get to. It already, if you play it on your Series X, looks really up res. So the chances of them doing that is kind of slim. But I don't think that's a reason not to package those three games one case, man, I would happily pay $70 retail for Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 13 Remastered Trilogy. No, I think that's a good one. Um, really, most of the Final Fantasies would be good like just to either remaster or remake. Um, yeah, but- well, I mean, they've already remade 7. There's rumors that they're going to remake 9 and 10, 12 have already gotten the remaster treatments. So I think it's about time we give... You know, lightning, vanille, snow, hope, frog, Terra, (laughs) everyone else. You've never played those games before. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, give us the remastered trilogy, please. What's your number four? I I did three because we originally were doing three. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just rattle these last two off then. Uh, My number four, I didn't didn't think about this now until I look at my list, but I have two Lord of the Rings games on here. (laughs) Uh, Surprise. My number four is Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 2, man. Released in 2006 on the Xbox 360. That was such a fantastic game. Yeah, and it kind of runs like ass now. It totally runs like ass now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
I don't, you don't see many of the, like his Halo Wars had a very similar type gameplay. I do really want to play Halo Wars. Yeah. That one looks like a ton of fun as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but you can't beat Lord of the Rings, building castles. Just- well, it's, it's rare that you can find a control scheme on a home console for an RTS. So for those that are not familiar with Lord of the Rings Battle of Middle-Earth, it's the sequel to the first game that was exclusive to PC. And originally, I think Battle of Middle-Earth 2 came out in 2005 on PC. The second game, or and then it was a red, uh, and then it was released or ported to the Xbox 360 a year later. And I remember my buddy Nick and I renting this from Blockbuster. And obviously at the time I was still a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Return of the King had come out two years, three years earlier. Um, still riding the highs of Return of the King, Two Towers on PS2. And playing this game on a home console, especially when I grew up playing stuff like Empire Earth, Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, stuff like that. Mind completely blown. You could make... You could do skirmishes where you could gotta just go to Helm's Deep, play as the elves, have three legions of Urukai that would just waves and waves and waves of enemies would just come up the little bank there from Helm's Deep, and you just have like all kinds of Rivendale elves and Legolas. And, and then you can get heroes as well, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, you could recruit Legolas and Elrond and all the wonderful little elf people just picking people off with their little bows and arrows at the top of Helm's Deep. And then eventually when you just amass this crazy army, just unleash just thousands of elves and just decimate three warring armies of Orakai. If I'm remembering correctly, you could play both the light side and the dark side. That was right? another amazing thing, both good and evil campaigns. So the evil campaign, literally Sauron wins, destroys the fellowship. Everyone good dies. And you kind of just sit on your little throne uh, as powerful as ever, or you play through the good campaign where you kind of play through a lot of the major moments of the films. Um, Dude, so freaking good. The very unfortunate thing is that these games, because of some type of speaking of contracts and licensing issues, EA, for whatever reason, has never put these games on Steam, GOG, or anything else. So um, they also go for very, very pricey cost on eBay to get the PC physical editions Mm -hmm. and this is also a game that's not backwards compatible on series x Uh, so it never got any kind of frames per second boost otherwise it wouldn't be on my list because i still have my copy from back in the day lord of the rings battle of middle earth 2 man so good so good yeah fantastic pick uh and then fifth and finally here kingdom hearts 358 over two days whatever the heck the however you pronounce (laughs) that bullshit um, this is the only Kingdom Hearts game that has yet to be remastered to play on home consoles. We got, you know, one, two, Birth by Sleep. We got, uh, we got more of the, like, was it the audio story version on the 1.5 plus two plus six? Yeah. We got Chain Genesis. of Memories, of course, yeah. as re-Chain of Memories, the PS2 game remastered as part of those collections, but three, five, eight over two days, um, <laughs> has not gotten that treatment. We only have the cutscenes of yeah. them eating their little sea salt ice cream, which is really nice. Some of the best music in all of kingdom hearts is in this game and it is very repetitive, but I feel like as part of its remaster, you could make the game a lot more user-friendly borrow some of the, you know, fighting mechanics from the later games 
I don't know, had some other quality of life stuff that wasn't there. You really don't have to do a lot. I just want to be able to play this game. And I feel like it would make sense with, if you take into account, it doesn't really. And I think about like the, the chronology of the games, but they did Kingdom Hearts 2.8 prologue, future perfect after, whatever <laughs> it was called. These naming conventions are ridiculous, Nomura. Relax. All right. Just chill out. Is this out. one the one with the balloons? Because you played one Kingdom Hearts game where they're like a bunch of balloons. No, this is not with balloons. But okay. what I'm saying is if they did something like a fragmentary pas- passage where you played as that little two to three hour story bit with Aqua leading kind of bridge the gap between earlier Kingdom Hearts games preparing us for Kingdom Hearts 3. They also remastered Dream Drop Distance, which is also meant to bridge the gap between earlier Kingdom Kingdom Hearts games and Kingdom Hearts 3. If they threw 358 over two days on a PS5 disc, remastered it, and then included some type of two to three hour story bit playing as Sora or some other random character to help bridge the gap between Kingdom Hearts 3 and the more recently announced Kingdom Hearts 4, I'd be a happy camper. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't see it happening. But no, I don't see that happening at all. They're probably going to be working on four pretty yeah. heavily. But, but um, man, I love that. I mean, we've kind of been spoiled recently with Kingdom Hearts. We got, you know, uh, Melody of Memories, which was great. But And we got three after a decade. Yeah. But uh, I'd love to be able to play that Nintendo DS game again on a home console. But that'll never happen. But that kind of rounds out the remasters for me and you, Ryan. It's all a list between the two of us. Yeah, I think so. You know, only if they could uh, remaster that old Dead Space. Yeah, maybe second time, third time. Be a good thing. Be a good thing for all of us involved. But let's get into the remakes. I think we'll save the listener emails, which we got six. That's a ton. Six listener emails I can't wait to get to. But we'll save that for the very tail end of the show. Let's get into our remakes. And if you don't mind, I do actually want to kick mine off. Okay. Or kick off with mine. Are you doing honorable mentions? Are you... No, I guess one thing I do want to point out, I, I didn't really talk about like the quintessential remasters or remakes in my mind. When I think of a like a really well done remaster for me, it's the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like retaining the the core and the soul of those original three games, but making it look so beautiful for current generation consoles. I haven't played the Crash, Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy, but I've heard really great things about that series as well, or the remaster i should say and then when it comes to remakes final fantasy 7 remake that's the gold standard and even resident evil 2 remake Mm -hmm. to me are just like the the bar to be cleared Mm -hmm. for remakes no i'd completely agree moving forward but um i don't have any honorable mentions do you do you have honorable mentions i have one that they kind of mentioned which is the kotor one okay but it went through development hell and they fired like their art director and yeah. some executives and then it got pushed back and now we don't know if it's even a thing so i would love to play those games mm. they're fantastic or they were um so playing them a second time for this current generation would be amazing i'm with you there absolutely uh, would have had it on my list if we hadn't heard of it yet right like if it wasn't already announced but uh great pick for sure well my number one you actually mentioned it as part of the remasters and that's the original assassin's creed Okay. So this originally came out in 2007, so about 15 years ago, because we're actually celebrating 15 years of Assassin's Creed. Ubisoft is has a couple of things planned, I think, in the fall, but 
I don't think a remaster is good enough for the original Assassin's Creed. I actually watched like two or three videos in preparation for this episode because I wanted to see like I the first time I ever saw Assassin's Creed, I remember going over to my cousin's house and I don't know why he bought a PS3 at launch, but he bought a PS3 at launch because he wasn't into video games. So it was more as like a, a Blu-ray player than anything yeah. else. I mean, that's why I got it, but it was it was expensive. At yeah, launch. it was like six hundred bucks. But I remember going down to his basement, and he had friends over or something like that. I mean, he's a little older than I am, and I remember just rushing down there, popping in Assassin's Creed, and kind of getting lost in that world. And I never really played it again until you know many years later when I had an Xbox 360 of my own. But why I think a remaster isn't good enough is because I've been playing the Ezio trilogy okay which was remastered for ps4 which includes assassin's creed 2 brotherhood and revelations and the character models i can get over the music phenomenal doesn't need to be touched the things that do need to change in really that trilogy but more than anything the first assassin's creed is the parkour mechanics back okay. then we didn't have much of an eye for it because there really wasn't anything like it at the time mirror's edge i don't think it'd come out yet so there really wasn't a standard for parkour in video games but how many times were you scaling up a building and then you try to just turn over and you know cross the the window ledge just a little bit and then you just jumped off the building accidentally and plunged to your death <laughs> probably more than i remember yeah for the number of times in these videos that i was watching like is Assassin's Creed 1 worth playing in 2021? And a lot of them kind of came to the conclusion that no, it's not. Because I didn't know that there were no side quests in the original Assassin's Creed. Mm. It was a very linear story. Outside of being able to collect some flags in the different areas, yeah. there really wasn't anything else to do. There were no outposts to take over. You weren't able to upgrade any of your gear. Yeah. You weren't able to upgrade your assassin outfit. It was a pretty bare bones, linear action adventure game. And yeah. that was it. So I think there's definitely opportunity here as part of a remake to really overhaul the game, still retain the story if it's possible, downplay a lot of the animus stuff. We don't need to go back and see Desmond, just stick to Altair. Uh, and I, I kind of liked the animus stuff in the first one because it introduced us to the kind of universe mm. but then when you get into the later stuff it kind of fell off like the you have the first like main three and brotherhood which they're trying to tell an outside apocalyptic uh 2012 type story mm -hmm. but like after that I, do, I don't even care if you even put me in an anime that's a good point because but, without they it, had like an outer story as like a main feature of the game yeah because without that when you're in the Animus and you're playing as Altair, oftentimes there are weird little like glitches on the screen. Mm -hmm. And that kind of actually adds to the atmosphere because it felt like you were actually in the Matrix of sorts. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah. But when you get to like that. origins and stuff, I don't care about some person who's digging up about like, I just want to be in Egypt. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Um, but yeah, so I think it really could benefit from a remake. I think also if I don't, I haven't looked at the sales numbers, but I don't know how Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla have sold game over game. Mm -hmm. I know Ubisoft is kind of hurting with sales numbers, and I think remaking a game like Assassin's Creed would maybe revitalize and add some fuel to the fire in terms of, as remakes often do, right? Bringing 
an old game to a new generation, but also, you know, it'd probably be a pretty nostalgic game for people at this point because it came out 15 years ago. Yeah, Ubisoft's been hurting with some of things that they have on the horizon. I think the Valhalla expansion got delayed to next year. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I would love to see this game either remaster, remake. Um, I just want to play it again. Add more stuff to do in the game. I mean, if you added the outposts from stuff from Brotherhood. Yeah, if you add the stuff from Brotherhood, but if you also added like the outposts that we see in stuff like Origins and Odyssey and Valhalla, I think that'd be really great. I, I would like to keep out the RPG elements from that newer mm-hmm. series, yeah. retain the essence of that earlier Assassin's Creed series, and I think it would just I think it would really hit for people. Yeah, so kind of update it to like the syndicate level because you yeah. just finished that one. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, yeah, no, it's a good pick. All right, what's your number two then? My number one for remakes is Zelda Ocarina of Time. You really think this needs a remake? I mean, it got a remake on the 3DS. I didn't like the game Ocarina of Time. So I played it uh, after Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild being my first, um, I guess, Zelda game. Um, So having, I don't know, opening up the world, kind of updating the gameplay itself. The Ocarina of Time story is pretty cool going through time. But it's such a tiny world. Like, I played on 3DS, I think, in college. Um, Redoing the fields, redoing Hyrule Castle, um, just making the world larger. Well, I guess I'll challenge you a little bit. So you often criticize Pokemon for taking this small world and blowing it up, but not making it fun. Do you think Ocarina of Time would suffer from that? No, because it's already 3D. Um the problem with Pokemon is you're doing a 2D experience into a 3D world and it didn't scale correctly. Mm. So you're putting like a tiny figure that within those corridors is fine. But when you put it in those corridors in a 3D environment, it feels very linear. Um, I mean, they're trying to open it up now, but it's the world just isn't alive. Okay. Um, Ocarina of Time had kind of that life in it with like the Gorons and the Hyrule Castle but just increasing what's already there and kind of improving some of the jumping puzzles or the water temple, I think was the main mm. issue for me. Um, I think it could, it'd be good. And then similar to um, like Assassin's Creed, just bring it to a new generation who might not have played it on the N64 because that's decades ago at this point or on the 3DS. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting pick. I mean, I don't know... I mean, Ocarina of Time, there's no way that Nintendo's not going to return to that game at some point. I don't think it's a matter of if, it's when. And I believe the remake for 3DS came out in 2011, which is 11 years ago. So, yeah. and I, I don't think that just adding Ocarina of Time to the Nintendo Switch Online family plan or whatever is really going to do much for people. Uh, because, again, the only people that are playing that are the people that grew up in the 90s playing Ocarina of Time on the N64 maybe some people are showing their kids that game, but I think most folks would say like, hey, I would say most younger folks would say, hey, this isn't H-Well, this isn't Breath of the Wild. So I don't think it would happen anytime soon, but I could see like 10 years from now them doing some type of Breath of the Wild scale Ocarina of Time type of remake. Yeah, I, I just think it would be a classic. I mean, it's one of the games that people tout as being amazing. Yeah. And going in... I guess, similar to how this current generation would view it as my experience, giving it the love it deserves to get it to a place that it, I would actually enjoy it 
would be what I'd want to see. You might be trying to fit a square peg in a round hole there. I mean, if you don't like the core of Ocarina of Time as it stands today, I doubt a remake is going to do much for you, but uh, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Well, my number two is a game that I know in its form today is not something for me, but I think if they remade it for current generation consoles, might change my mind. And that is Metal Gear Solid. Mm. September 1998, originally came out on the PlayStation 1. I've tried to start this game at least two to three times. I've got an hour or two in every time I've played it. And the controls, the graphics, the shooting mechanics, everything about it, it just doesn't do it for me. I felt like, I feel like if I played this game when I was about 10, 12 years old in 1998, I probably would have fallen in love with it. And Metal Gear Solid would be one of my favorite series ever. But I feel like it's a time and place thing. Going back and playing this game 20 odd years later is a challenge. Is, you're talking about the original and not any of the the sequels? Yeah, I mean, I think I could probably get into the second, third game, fourth, Phantom Pain, but yeah. um, I really want to start with the first game, mm-hmm. and it is just a this challenge. this was a gentleman's challenge game, right? The last time you tried to pick it up? Many moons ago, yeah. Many moons okay. ago. Yeah, I, I watched you struggle through this one. I, I think I'd probably enjoy the later games, maybe not. Um, I'm not a huge stealth person in the way that this gameplay would probably see. Translate. I love stealth. That's a thing. Yeah. So it's, it's right up my alley. It's just, it's a difficult game to get into nowadays. Yeah. No, I think that's a good pick. So for sure. What about you? What's the next one? Um, I have, okay. So I have two left. One is kind of out there and one you could probably guess. Okay. Um, which one do you want to hear first? Well, let's start with the, the weird one. Okay. Chrono Trigger. <laughs> okay. In the vein that they redid Final Fantasy VII, okay, uh, upscaling, interesting. Um, I played the, I borrowed your copy, I think, on the 3DS many moons ago. Um, I put maybe ten plus hours. I loved all the characters in there. I liked the idea of the time travel. I loved the little frog guy. Oh yeah. Um, the dialogue was great. Um, just it's hard now getting into a turn-based game, old graphics, um, but. I think if it got the love that Final Fantasy VII got, it would have some of the same issues translating like Pokemon because it is that 2D versus uh, Final Fantasy VII already had kind of the 3D environments rendered or built out. Mm, to a certain extent, but yeah. Um, but I, I feel like they could get around that pretty easily. Yeah, I I struggle with remaking things on the Super Nintendo because I feel like they already... Perfect is too strong a word, but I feel like graphically, the soundtracks for a lot of those Super Nintendo era games, like I look at Chrono Trigger, I look at Super Mario World, Super Metroid, uh, Secret of Mon, so many of those games that the sprites on the Super Nintendo were so crisp and so vibrant and colorful, and they just look so good. Now, granted, Chrono Trigger on the Nintendo DS is, in my opinion, the definitive way to play that game. I'd be very curious to see what a Chrono Trigger remake would look like, though. Um, I don't know. I'm very torn between this because I feel like that Super Nintendo era, unlike, you know, the PS1, N64, because you went from an, uh, generations of 2D graphics to 3D, yeah. you had these odd, pointy, polygonal, gross graphics on the PS1 and PS, or PS1 and N64 for so many games that do not look good today at all they're pretty dang ugly that benefit from remakes yeah. nowadays i mean look at spyro the remaster the, the reignited trilogy 
really benefited from that polish and up res. But that Super Nintendo Air Man is so special as it is. But I think it's a great choice. I'm really yeah. curious what it would look like. I mean, touching classics is hard. It is. I mean, I mean the same thing that Ocarina of Time would be hard touching. Yeah. Um, and then the issue with the sprites to 3D models and then all the environments. But I don't know. I want to play this game because it's a classic. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really well regarded. Um, but it's just it's hard to get it into in the okay. sprite in I mean, its current state. Yeah, I mean, and then look, I think there's a little bit of a, something you need to point out there is that you're just not as into turn-based combat type games. Yeah, uh, I have to be in the right kind of mindset. Like that's kind of why I'm getting away from Pokemon as well. Mm-hmm. It's just it's hard. Okay, well, good stuff. Speaking of Pokemon, Pokemon Gold and Silver, let's go, Johto. Mm, yes, injected into choice. my veins. I thought. Let's Go, Eevee, and Pikachu was phenomenal. One of the first games, if not the first game, I put into my Switch. Man, I still go back to that game every now and again, pop it in, and it's it looks like the Kanto region I dreamed about when I was a kid playing Pokemon Red on my Game Boy Color. And I feel like while the silver and gold, heart gold, soul silver on Nintendo DS already look wonderful and it's great to play, they're like $4,000 on eBay. I have copies of both, but guess what? A lot of people don't. And to be able to replay the Johto region and going back to Kanto for the Switch in that Let's Go format would be just a treat. No, I did you ever complete the Pokedex in the original one? I didn't. No, I didn't in Let's Go. Hey, you have some... uh, And then you can get all the shinies. That's important. I don't need to do that. No, No, thank you. No, I I love the pick. Um, I'm surprised we haven't heard that announcement yet. I know. Um, I would... Definitely take this over Scarlet. Uh, Violet. Yeah, Violet and Scarlet or whatever. Um, The gameplay, the mixture of Let's Go or the app kind of chucking the Pokeball um, was pretty cool. It's probably not for everyone, um, but definitely a great take. And then seeing the environments, because Silver is probably my favorite generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. Good pick. All right. what What are we settling down with with your final pick? My last game is a game that I've only got through once, and I tried going back recently, and I got stuck on a level that we both hate, but oh. it's Kingdom Hearts 1. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, going through the Tarzan level, I rage quit. Like it, I've gone through Kingdom Hearts 3 maybe three times full game. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 probably two times at this point, and I made it through Kingdom Hearts 1 once. Um, and then I get to like the f- what the second world basically. You get out of Depends traverse you, time, yeah, take and then, the order, you go, yeah. then you go to Tarzan world. It's just awful. Mm. It it just it doesn't make me want to play the game. And I love the story. I think they if they could remake it in the same vein that Kingdom Hearts three, same mechanics, probably less of the spammy moves like the carousel yeah. or the yeah. the kind of big sweep AOE stuff. Um, and then you can make those worlds so much bigger and more vibrant, mm-hmm. um, having a better engine. Um, they don't need to be like Betamax city size worlds for everything, but expanding what we have for like the Tarzan world, Peter Pan. I think it was just oh, yeah, the man. boat. Mm. Um, you have Wonderland. Um, Agrabah was pretty big, um, but I think it was just that main road up to it. Um, so that would be good. And then Atlantis would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a good one. I didn't even really think about it just because we've gotten remasters console generation over console generation. But, you know, when we get Kingdom Hearts 4 in, at this point, I have to venture to guess, best case, five years, more likely six to eight, if I had to guess. Maybe sooner. Who knows? I have no idea what Tetsuya Nomaru is doing behind the scenes these days. Uh, he's working on a lot of games, actually. Final Fantasy VII Remake 2 and... Uh, Reborn, or whatever the heck the subtitle is for that. He's working on a lot of games, so it'll be a while before we get Kingdom Hearts 4. But I don't see the series going beyond 4 outside of remaking the earlier games. I don't know. It depends on how intense they want to get with the the masked people. Um, It kind of left off in a weird place. I don't think they're going to do another full trilogy. I think at most it'll be 4, if not 5. And not maybe go all the way to six. Dude, they better get Haley Joel Osment on the couch now to phone in his lines because he's not going to be around when the fifth game comes out. Who does he voice? <sighs> Dude, I don't know voice actors <laughs> or names. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Sora. Oh, okay. You know, the main fucking character <laughs> yeah. in the game. Who's Sora? <laughs> Dude, you really hurt my feelings this episode. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you really brought it down a notch. So, uh, How but old is he? Kingdom- Haley Joel Osment. I mean, I don't know, man. He's like in his 30s or 40s. He was in the Sixth Sense like 30 years ago. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's going to croak soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sit him down. Phone in his lines for Kingdom Hearts 5. All right. Put that in a, like a, some kind of cryo chamber so that we can get it in the future. Uh, Tetsuya Nomura. Solid pick. I'll forgive you on not knowing the voice actor for Sora, Sora only because Kingdom Hearts was your final pick for remakes. Okay. How does that sound? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, my final pick, everyone's probably thinking, Rusty, where are all the 3D platformers? Where are they at? And uh, well, they're, they're not coming yet because I actually forgot about my fourth pick, which is Silent Hill. Okay. That's a good one. On the original PlayStation, I have the HD collection on PS3, so I have uh, Silent Hill 2 and 3. I don't have a way to play 4, and I have some of the spinoffs as well on PS3, but I think that original, it's a little difficult to get nowadays, probably pretty pricey in the PS1, mm-hmm. and if I had to guess, graphically speaking, probably hasn't hold up, held up super well. Yeah, I don't think so. So, uh, we got PT many moons ago. There were rumors about Konami making a Silent Hill remake. We didn't really... Nothing's really come to fruition on that front, but man, uh, I, I'm really in the mood for my horror games after playing Outlast with you. Yeah, so no, that would be a good one. Give me some Silent Hill remake. I think that would I'm be fantastic. I'm sad that PT never came to become a thing, because um, that was a great game, a short one. But Yeah. Did you ever play that one? I didn't. No, okay. I did not. Well, yeah. Silent Hill's a good one, then. Yeah, so that's my fourth, and then my final pick Rounding it out with a 3D platformer, we got to do it, people. Bring back my pals Jack and Daxter. Precursor mm-hmm. Legacy came out 21 years ago. Naughty Dog, come on. Stop it with The Last of Us remakes and remake Jack and Daxter, all right? Mm-hmm. The game that's more deserving of it. I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't think Naughty Dog would do it. I think another development team would. And if Toys for Bob wasn't busy making Call of Duty maps because Activision is, well, they're Activision. Yeah. Uh, I think Toys for Bob would have been perfect for for remastering the Jack and Daxter trilogy in the same way that they did Spyro and Crash. But 
if that's not going to happen because Toys for Bob is too busy making Call of Duty maps, I think it would be really neat for Jack and Daxter, the first game, to be remade in a similar way to the 2016 Ratchet and Clank, where it still retains a lot of what made the first Ratchet and Clank game so special on the PS2, but it still feels new, fresh, and original, and they change some of the ideas and story beats to make it new. Yeah. Kind of has a little bit more of a new identity. I feel like if they gave Jack and Daxter the Ratchet and Clank from 2016 treatment, that would just be so special. And uh, maybe it would encourage other developers to get on the 3D platformer chain, you know? Yeah, this is a series I never played, but I've always been interested in. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think that- you know, words without action is nothing, Ryan. So. That is true, but I take action on RuneScape. <laughs> well maybe someday you'll you'll, you'll pump the brakes on the old yeah. runescape and you'll get no, I'm back. on my spider-man grind but yeah. yeah this is when i get in the mood for a platformer i'll uh, look this way well you have the playstation plus means to do so because as part of the classics collection you can play the entire trilogy on playstation 4 and 5 okay yeah i might have to look that way but i think they are still deserving of full-on remake so with all that being said i think we had some solid picks Okay, Mm -hmm. I think you definitely need to do some homework for future episodes of the podcast to know who voices very key characters for (laughs) games that I love. But uh, like I said, I'm not going to I'm not going to beat the drum too hard here. But what I think we need to do is get into the listener picks. Okay, if you want to get into the show, you want to get into the Otaku Brothers discussion. Look no further than Otaku Brothers podcast at gmail.com. Write us a note. Send us an audio question. Whatever you want to do. Anything that makes the show better, we're all about it. Or get in on the Discord. We have that little link in the show notes. But um, this is actually timely, Ryan. So I was listening to a podcast today. Good friends. Polykill. Blink. Trav. They out there. Talking about games. Talking about beaten games. It's all... It's a jolly good time. A comment came up that it's actually the episode description and not the show notes. What would you prefer me to say moving forward? Because this is going to be what I say for the next 300 episodes of the podcast. Should I say show notes or the episode description? I feel like show notes rolls off the tongue better. Uh, yeah, I feel like that sounds way better. Okay. More so, professional. So Polykill's wrong. Yes. Oh, for sure. Okay. Come on. Just want to make sure. So first email that we got here from our good buddy, Logan. He says, hey guys, I'm making this list while eating lunch and just thinking off the top of my head real fast. I just have a few short ones to get in on the participation. First up, NFL Street Franchise. Mm, I love these games. Logan, I'll do you one better. Just bring back EA Sports Big. SSX Tricky, FIFA Street, NBA Street, NFL Street. Just bring it all back. We all need it. Fusion Frenzy, he says, this was Mario Party for the Xbox. I loved it growing up and would love to see it remade. Never played Fusion Frenzy. No, me neither. But um, I've heard great things. Marvel Ultimate Alliance, the first one. They did this game so well, and the new ones are just not good, in my opinion. Definitely not like the original. Did you ever play this one? I did not. I think I had it at one point. These are great games. Remind me also of the X-Men Legends games on the PS2, GameCube, Xbox. I would also like those games to come back. But next up on his list, he says, My number two would be Call of Duty Black Ops 2. This game is one of my favorite games of all time. One of the best competitive CODs. One of the best CODs for trick shotting. I think it was the best zombies CODs. Just one of the best CODs. CODs, CODs, CODs. <laughs> CODs. 
I think if they did a remake or remaster and pretty much left the same, it would sell like hotcakes. And I'd certainly put some serious time into it. And then his final bullet point here. He says, my number one would be Connect Adventures from our good friends at Rare. This game was perfect. Psych, of course my number one <laughs> is Super Smash Brothers Melee as an HD remaster. Yes. Do not mess with anything about the game. Just make it HD, put it on the Switch with a slippy rollback netcode for online play. I think all casuals would love it and all current Melee players would play it if it was the same game still. Yeah. It wouldn't be a list from Logan without Melee. Thank you guys for always come up, coming up with creative ideas to get the community chatting and blessing our podcast cues. Thanks, Logan. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Great picks. Wonderful stuff. Cod, man. Good good stuff. Cod, cod, cod. Next up, we got our buddy Steve. I already mentioned him a couple times. Blink, he says, howdy, fellas. First time caller, long time fan. Let me tell you right now what doesn't need a remake. And that's the Otaku Brothers podcast. I can't imagine that anyone could be trusted to capture the magic, talent, spirit, and raw visual fidelity of this show in any other context. Context. Thanks for being the best. Well, that's just that's wow. just too kind. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Blink. More than we deserve. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when it comes to games, I know that Rusty mentioned it on the last episode, but he and I are kindred spirits in this regard, so I think he'd agree it's Jack and Daxter. We've seen what could be done with classic platformers like Crash and Spyro when they're given a facelift, and I think Jack would really shine from that kind of attention. Has a nice variety of levels and locations that would all look really great with a modern coat of paint. It's a game I think more people should play, and I think it would really do well. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. It was my fifth and final pick on the remake side of things. Honestly, I feel similarly about a lot of platformers from the PS1 and PS2 era. Games like Banjo-Kazooie, Chameleon Twist, and Mupper, Muppet Monster Adventure would all be great to see, especially Muppet Monster Adventure. That game needs to be experienced by more people. Plus, can we really ever have too many 3D platformers? The answer is no. They're blank. You can never have too many. And uh, Muppet Monster Adventure has been on my eBay watch list ever since you streamed it. And I feel like that price just gets scarier and scarier with each <laughs> subsequent spooky season so probably gonna wait on that remaster that will never come but you never know he says keep being the finest two fellows on the airwaves blank thank you thanks blank good stuff great picks love it next up we got our boy Whoa. chrono link 91 <laughs> with the freaking novels that he's used to writing us here we go buckle up make sure you have your seatbelts on folks what's good gentlemen this is a topic I love discussing. I know people often get their jimmies rustled about this topic, and though it is the case that sometimes developers should probably just leave well enough alone, does The Last of Us need a $70 graphics update when it isn't even 10 years old yet? I know it's more than just that, but even still. Sometimes it can get it can keep old games fresh and new in the younger generation's minds. While I don't need a Resident Evil 4 remake because the original is a masterpiece, I'm still very interested in seeing how they handle a new take on that game with modern sensibilities. I agree there. Yeah. I am looking forward to playing RE4 Remake. In any case, it's hard for this subject to come up with me not to immediately jump to Golden Sun and Golden Sun The Lost Age. Both of these games are classics of the genre and are 20 years old. The series hasn't seen a new entry in over 10 years, 
and it may never see one again, though I truly hope this isn't the case. What better way to drum up new interest than a remake for these classics? Some elements could use updating, like the needless dialogue options or skippable cutscenes or even voice acting. Even combine both games into one like the plan was originally. Oh, interesting. Mm. Little tidbit there. An orchestrated or newly arranged soundtrack would also be brilliant. Those games are true classics and deserve to be respected again. Those are big ones for me. These are also ones, uh, speak of the Tarkaron folks, Chrono gifted these to me as part of our annual Christmas exchange, I think two years ago. And I'm holding out, as I mentioned, I think last week or last episode, once I get that analog pocket adapter that I can attach to my monitor, Golden Sun's going to be one of the first games I play. Very nice. So, yeah. good stuff. I remember you got that one. In terms of remasters, the Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy seems in need of a little <laughs> extra love in this department. My man just speaking this music to my ears, Chrono. While the Xbox backwards compatibility program does make these games look better than ever, including the buggy PC version, a true new coat of paint over this trilogy would be outstanding, despite many elements of it still looking good to this day. Throw in some extra quality of life features or tweaks, and you've got another available way to enjoy these games, which I feel are finally, finally starting to be recognized by the community. It was on my list, Chrono, I'm with you 1000%. Other ideas for these? Oracle of Ages and Seasons, in a similar style to Link's Awakening, which was remade for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Or Super Mario RPG with an updated look, like a claymation style. Heck, Earthbound in claymation! Additionally, if any game would benefit from a full-on HD 2D look, it would be Chrono Trigger, a game with yes. some of the most immaculate sprite work on the Super Nintendo. Bro, okay, so there... Like an Octopath take? This is where things get interesting. Yeah, I think instead of the full-on blow-it-up-to-3D Final Fantasy VII remake for Chrono Trigger... Kind of do what they did with the new Dragon Age that they're redoing. Dragon Quest, or but Dragon yes. Quest, yes. Yeah, you're getting tired. It's okay, I got your back. I think if they did that same up-res HD-ified remake of sorts for Chrono Trigger, that would be the move. Yeah, no, I'd be either way. Um, I guess Final Fantasy was already the 3D look, but yeah, if they do the Octopath, I love the Octopath look, so oh, more of that in my life would be great. That just seems like a golden ticket to lots of money for Square Enix. Yeah. I hope they do that. I'll write them a note. All in all, it's nice to see old games get new life, even in a port, enhanced port, or remaster, and it's super nice to see them get a full-blown remake, a la Final Fantasy VII Remake, or like Trials of Mana, Link's Awakening. Two different ways to remake a game while all doing wonderful and respectable things with them. It might not be the most original thing ever, but again, sometimes it's good to both remaster or remember why some games were great to begin with and to give them new life to new audiences. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Good stuff. I've gone on long enough. Hope you guys... (laughs) Chrono, first of all, you could never go on long enough. Okay? Keep them coming. We love these emails. Hope you guys have a good time talking about all this stuff. Keep up the great work, bros. Thanks. Thanks, Chrono. Good stuff. Man, I can't get that Chrono Trigger idea out of my mind. That's just awesome. Next up, we have Alex, or Return to Mother Base, as he was once known on the YouTubes. You can still find him out there. He says, Desert Island games and remasters. I'm going to have to do my best here to not include any of his Desert Island games because this is for our next episode. Mm-hmm. But he did talk about remakes and remasters. He said, first off, listen here, Rusty. I had a great list all prepared. One for the ages. 
you would be begging to be on a desert island with me because of this list. It was that good. <laughs> oh, man, that, that's, some, that's some list you must got there, Alex. He said, then came the hand of reality slapping away my dreams while cackling original Game Boy only. Such a waste of potential. Anyway, pending save batteries last forever in your fantasy island. <laughs> he goes on with the five games, but we'll get to those next Saturday, all right? Everyone just chill and relax. Now, remasters and remakes. He says, coming off of Happy Console Gamers' latest episode, I think Tengai Makayu as a whole needs one only, or needs one only because it will open up to a global audience like Live a Live, Live Alive, Live Life Live. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Live Laugh Love. <laughs> However you pronounce that game. Some people don't have the time or patience to sit there with a text guide, let alone learn a language. The technical know-how on patching ROMs and ISOs, or the grayscale of morality with reproduction carts of fan translation. So if you want more context for this, I'm not even going to attempt to describe the game that Alex is discussing here. Just go watch Happy Console Gamers' latest episode. I think it's My Mind is Blown or something like that. You'll get the context behind that. Mm. That's where I stand with remakes and remasters these days. Let the people play all the games, and that doesn't apply to just language barriers either. There are tons of overly expensive or ill-preserved games like Panzer Dragoon Saga, which in all seriousness went beyond all the hype and exceeded expectations for me. By far one of the most unique games no one has been readily able to play without sorcery or a lot of money, Alex. Which is what I had to do with the, with screwdriver, some burn discs, and a quick switcheroo. Unfortunately, since the source code is lost, and that's not as easy as throwing it together like some other remasters, remasters of remasters of remasters we've seen, <laughs> if there was any sort of crowdfunding or whatever to get this remastered, restored, or rebuilt, I would do it, no questions asked, just so others could try it. Toodles, Alex. Thanks for the email, Alex. Yeah, thanks. I don't know if I'll ever play Panther Dragoon Saga in my lifetime. Certainly not on the Sega Saturn, I can promise you that next up we have our good buddy nolan he says hey there gents hope this reaches you both well and keep being amazing love this topic i find myself thinking often of games that would really benefit from a remake or remaster especially especially that classic jank that defined our childhoods mm -hmm. with that nostalgia in mind i would love to see apocalypse starring bruce willis of course Come back to life with the remake. I can't see how licensing could be an issue, or I can see how licensing could be an issue here, but I think that the game had so many good qualities that made it stand out as a retro classic. I feel that recently twin stick shooter mechanics are very few and far between nowadays, and I think classics game, classic games really made that genre so good. Would love to have Apocalypse come back and spread its influence. I remember Nolan streaming this game on Twitch back in the day. Yeah, it's been a while. It looked really interesting. Looked really interesting. Um, I've not secured a copy of Apocalypse myself, but I could see that being a pretty sweet little remaster. Good stuff there. He says another suggestion would be the early Harry early Harry Potter games like Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. Mm, yes, yeah. Nolan. I think a remaster would be awesome to help dive back into these worlds. The iconic dungeons that you go through to solve straightforward puzzles and learn new spells. <clears throat> excuse me. We've been recording for like five hours now. <laughs> is so well done. I think the games would shine with a fresh coat of paint, maybe someday with Hogwarts Legacy uh, bringing some wizardry vibes back to consoles. Man, dude, Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, Jeremy Soul, 
of Elder Scrolls fame compose the soundtracks. Just excellent games. PS2 era. Check them out. They're so good. Stay safe, fellas, and thanks for all the laughs and episodes over the years. Cheers to many more. Nolan, a.k.a. APOC. <laughs> thanks, Nolan. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Excellent email. Love the pics. And then last but certainly not least, we have our butt-loving JRPG playing Devil May Pie. He says, all right, gents, I'll make this one quick. Sorry for the super late reply. It's all good. It's all good. We still got time for it. Remakes for PS3, 360 gen. I got to go with Dragon Guard 3. I love a lot about that game, but performance-wise, it's borderline unplayable frame rate drops so much. Also, a lot of stuff visually could be better. Remastered for PS4. I've not played Dragon Guard 3, by the way. Yeah, I haven't either. But uh, good pick, good pick. Remastered for PS4 gen is only, there's only one correct answer and one only. Freaking Bloodborne. We are starving out here for anything Bloodborne and that game needs a performance boost the most. A blue point job like they did with Demon Souls would be a dream, but I'll settle for a 60 frames per second and some cleanup with the visuals and maybe rework the healing blood vial system. I'm with DMP. Ryan and I already talked about it. I'd love if Bluepoint either went and remade something like Metal Gear Solid or probably even better, did their own IP, made something from the ground up themselves. They've been remaking games for the past 10 years. But my word, do we need that 60 frames per second boost for Bloodborne? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I agree with the Blood Vials thing. I didn't. I think it worked pretty well. Yeah. Did you have issues with Blood Vials? I don't remember having Okay. An, well, I don't remember having an issue with it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was just really... It, like an interesting take instead of doing the flasks mm-hmm. but yeah no good picks excellent picks all around thank you everyone so much for writing in and i hope we get similar participation for our next episode ryan and I are gonna be recording that this saturday and as we transition here to the end of the episode folks my word i could not be more pumped for our destiny island challenge episode for the game boy i spent many hours into the wii hours of the morning last night prepping for it i don't want to tease too much but we've got a whole slew of fun facts i pulled all kinds of fun advertisements from youtube in preparation for it you know your general statistics best-selling games when the console came out all that fun stuff but man it's going to be a good time and then i'm closing out the show with quite the surprise i already showed ryan edited it all together last night but man good things ahead for that particular segment i hope everyone is looking forward to just a blowout retrospective of that original game boy it's gonna be great times but thank you everyone so much for listening to the podcast this is a long beefy boy well over two hours so hopefully all of you fine people have found entertainment entertaining hopefully found found you well playing good games kicking your feet up you know the things that we normally say on this podcast but one of the other things we always say on this podcast at the tail end of every show as I have to pass it back to my depleted of all energy brother-in-law who looks like he's falling asleep on the mic over there. Ryan, you're still with us, right? I am. Yeah. Swimming before this was a horrible idea. Yeah. I lifted before this. Thanks for noticing the you bulging, got, you, look swole, bulging so. muscles over here. But um, um, you yeah, got a fun I fact a, for us this week? I do. Yeah. Okay. I've been like looking at a bunch of animal videos this week and there was one about honey badgers and oh. I don't know much about honey, baz- honey badgers, but apparently they're just extremely aggressive against things that are like way bigger than them. So like lions, they go after antelope. They just are pissed at everything at all times. Aren't they kind of like the size of a gopher? 
Yeah, like a little bigger gopher, and then you have wolverines, which is kind of like their big brother, like double their size. Okay, so like but honey badgers hydration. are just fury packed into a little body. Um, but cheetah babies, on the other hand, are not. They're extremely vulnerable. And what scientists believe is that cheetah babies now evolve to have the coloring of honey badgers. Oh. So their fur as babies, they grow out of this. But they're under, like, the bottom half of them, like, legs, kind of chest down, is really dark. And then their top fur on their back is really light, which mimics the coloring of honey badger adults. Interesting. And I guess, is that because of, like, predators? Yeah, predators. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, usually they just kind of see that coloring from the sky or, like, eagles could pick them off. Uh, But, yeah, they don't screw around with honey badgers fascinating stuff you got to stay for the end of every episode of otaku brothers because not only is ryan bringing the fun facts because this is an educational program we talked about that earlier in the show but you also got to fade out with good tunes all right so it's just a good time and once again i'll thank everyone for listening to the podcast thank you once again to everyone that wrote in and thanks to everyone that stuck around for four and a half years of this podcast all right thank you can't thank you enough for tuning in joining the discord and just supporting ryan and i along the way but we got many episodes down the pipeline including this game boy retrospective right around the corner so stay tuned for that everyone keep playing the great video games stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you real soon see ya